0: hey everybody this is chris gullo joined alongside jonathan ash hello and it's another edition of rediscovering the indies just making it right in time for the month of january uh it has been a little hectic uh ladies and gentlemen but we made sure we got an episode out every month for you to tell the stories that aren't being told about independent wrestling history and uh you know we do apologize for the delay. I know we haven't been really active on social media. that is something we'll be a little more active as the year goes on. but we really thank you for all your support last month we had an all time listenership and uh for this month, I hope you guys are still listening <laughs> and uh tell your friends uh and if you're interested in sponsoring the show, let us know um you know we're we're very reasonable with our rates and we're definitely uh you know f- for sponsorships you know like clothing lines and and other podcasts and youtube shows and all that we're we're we're, we're up for most sponsors. so uh but um we want to thank the podcast Precincts and matt johnson over at the bicbp radio network for having us and uh you know last month's episode was a lot of fun uh reliving the ring of honor CCW war uh this month is something i wanted to do since day one we talked about this just because it's a i think it's in a time capsule of it's probably something that should have been happening in the 80s and it was happening at the end of wcw and ecw and that is dusty roads turnbuckle championship wrestling and uh basically just kind of the preface of this is uh dusty roads which really i think there's not a lot of the results are logged because there were a lot of uh spot shows But from what our understanding is, really, these shows started running in 99. It's hard to find a lot of results, I think, before 2001. But we do have some observer notes and everything. But I think 99 were the first TCW shows, I think, when Dusty originally uh, left uh, WCW in that end of period. As we know, he comes back, which we are going to touch on at some point uh, at the end of uh, wcw but uh yeah i'm really excited about this one ash and i think we can kind of get right into it and to tell the story uh i think we have to start with the beginning of dusty doing this and that is the pwf and the pwf was the pro wrestling federation and this was dusty's first excursion uh into uh starting his own promotion and how funny how similar it is to what happened in 2000 2001 dusty Rhodes is part of this promotion that's in a war with vince mcmahon and then they're on the you know cusp of losing that war dusty gets out of there (laughs) starts his own promotion (laughs)
1: sounds very familiar
0: <laughs> and here we are uh but yeah the first time this happened and this is actually uh we've used him before in articles brian damage um over at ring the damn bell and this is a quick synopsis of the pro wrestling professional wrestling federation i should say the american dream dusty Rhodes, has been praised as both as a creative genius and egomaniac only out for himself and his friends Uh, His booking helps catapult Jim Crockett promotions to the national level. Some say he also led JCP into financial ruin with many of his decisions. Whether you are pro or anti-Dusty as a booker and Creative Mind, we must not lose sight that many of his ideas are still used today. But let's also not forget the time that Dusty tried to start his own national promotion. This is the story of the PWF, the Professional Wrestling Federation, and its place in wrestling history. In late 1988, Dusty Rhodes was fired from Crockett Promotions, which was just purchased by Turner Broadcasting, for using blood in an angle. And despite warnings from management, Rhodes went ahead with the use of blood and and was let go. Now, at the time, Mike Graham and Steve Kern were trying to revive the Florida Territory, a territory that Mike's father, Eddie Graham, ruled for over two decades. When Dusty became available, Graham and Kern reached out to Dusty to partner with them in their new venture. Rhodes was a huge star for championship wrestling for Florida for years. Both Kurt and Graham felt that having Dusty's name attached to their promotion would only help it expand. Rhodes saw the potential in Florida championship wrestling and was initially excited about joining the promotion. Dusty's vision, however, wasn't to keep FCW small, but eventually become a player for the big time. Uh, The territorial name of Florida Championship Wrestling was changed to Professional Wrestling Federation, or PWF for short. Legendary play-by-play man Gordon Sully would be the voice of the company as, and was also an investor. Sully's son would head up the production team for the promotion. Realizing that Graham and Kern were not prepared financially for Dusty's vision, Rhodes brought in a financial backer named Randy Roberts. Roberts had years of experience running casinos and other corporate startups. With a solid uh, money stream coming in, many talents were brought on board to the PWF, including the Nasty Boys, Scott Hall, Dick Slater, Mike Awesome, Bam Bam Bigelow, Al Perez, and others. Their shows would be taped at the famed Florida Sportatorium each week. The shows were also syndicated all over Florida in places like Tampa, Tallahassee, Miami, Orlando, and Jacksonville. Diamond Dallas Page, who was still trying to make it in the professional wrestling business, was brought in as a manager and color commentator. Paige was recommended by the gig by Mike Graham, who had Paige auditioned for Dusty for over the phone. Paige basically did a Dusty Rhodes impression for about 45 seconds and was hired then and there. In a not-so-shocking surprise, Dusty was crowned the inaugural PWF heavyweight champion, defeating his brother-in-law, Big Steel Man, a.k.a. Fred Ottman, tugboat typhoon, the shot master. The PWF would run regular house shows throughout the state of Florida and the Bahamas, with the PWF gaining momentum, Dusty Rhodes said they got a surprise from Bobby the Brain Heenan before television taping. Heenan was still employed by the WF at the time and said he was there at the taping merely for a visit. Dusty said he knew something was up when Heenan started asking questions about the business they were doing. Dusty simply told Bobby that the business was doing great and knew that Heenan would go back to Vince McMahon and report to him whatever he heard. Sure enough, not long after McMahon called Dusty and offered him a job at the WF, not only that but he offered to purchase the pwf from him potentially making that a developmental territory for wf dusty said no one to climate man's offer at the time feeling that pwf had a real shot for competing with wf and wcw it was the decision dusty said he would later regret ultimately rhodes said his business partners were not keen on continuing to reinvest in the promotion to make it grow bigger than what it had become with the writing on the wall dusty swallowed his pride and joined WWF as a wrestler for far less what he was initially offered the PWF continued to operate with Dusty for a couple more years before folding in 1991. And uh, Dusty's first attempt at becoming a national promotion was all gone, but he would later open up Turnbuckle Jam to wrestling based in Georgia. And I'll, there's a couple opinionated lines after that, but I'll, I'll leave it there because that leads in. So. Uh, The reason why we're bringing this up because it's still in that territorial base, and we don't really touch on a lot of territory stuff here. But it kind of it shows you the beginning of something, right? And I think what it shows you here is that Dusty always wanted something that was truly his own, and turning down that offer from WWF where they could possibly be a developmental. Once again, under Vince McMahon supervision, Dusty really wanted to be on his own. And I think it's funny that in 1988, he tries to be the national promotion. And as we're going to talk about in 2000, 2001, he tries to be the regional promotion when he probably should have been reversed.
1: I I look at this. I think Dusty just didn't want to have a boss. I think he wanted to be the boss. And wanted to run everything 100, percent and you know, as we've seen in Jim Crockett Promotions towards the end, there uh, he was starting to struggle as the promoter, and also had also butted heads with the Horsemen and with Jim Crockett and others. So I could see him here; like he's got an inv- he's got investors, he's got money coming in. Uh, he you know he's basically running everything. Uh Gordon Soly and his son are not gonna tell Dusty what to do. Neither is anyone else in that company. So Dusty basically had free reign. And I, I don't know if I really blame him for not giving that up. I don't know if like if it was ego or he was just oblivious to what was going on, the fact that he thought he could be a national promotion. Uh, maybe, maybe he thought with him on top he he had a he had a good chance
0: yeah and uh it's you know when 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 you look at the 88 you know if he would have done that maybe a year earlier in 87 he might have had more of a chance if he maybe would have left before they uh oversaturated it with crockett with purchasing uwf and and really hot the territory um,
1: I think maybe maybe if it would have been '86, I feel by I think by mid early '87, mid '87, Crockett's already in the downswing. Mid South is done. World Class is done. AWA is they're they're chugging along, but they're not doing really well. I think by '88, early '89, when Dusty started the PWF, it it was it was too late. I think during WWE's national expansion, 84, 85, and even in 86, that would have been the time to strike. But at the same time, like, no one no one was going to match the money that Dusty was making at Crockett. He wasn't going to be able to make that much money. So it's double-edged, it's double-edged sword in that aspect.
0: And I think something can be said, too, for, you know, so, so something could be said for like you you brought up 86 i think 86 cements dusty Rhodes' legacy like you know i i, I think i mean 80 we tell how crazy and great a year 86 was for Crockett. it's probably the best year ever um i think that cements his legacy if he doesn't do that say he leaves in 85 and he starts his own promotion in 86 is he just the chic and Vern Gagne and, you know what I mean, just guys that were on top at once just holding on to a legacy.
1: Yeah, I could see that because by that time, like, he, he only had a brief – he had the brief success there turning around Crockett in 84, 85. Uh, he didn't really have that legacy of building what they built and got to the points that Crockett Promotions got in 86. Like I said, it's a double edged sword. You can you can say, like, oh, if you would have left when the business overall was hot, he would have had a better chance. But then why would he leave at that point because he's making so much money and everyone else is successful? There's really no point in starting up another company at that point. Like the whole reason the reason you start up a company for the most part is that the company you're working for is not being successful and they can't pay you what you believe you're making or they don't have space for you because business is down. So the vast majority of times companies start up in down periods, down times. And that's, that's not a recipe for success.
0: Uh, No. And, uh, and, you know, and here we are, we're talking about 88 downtime. The, you know, world-class is, is in the most, Best way I could say it is on its ass '88. <laughs> yeah. AWA is on a is on very uh, slow but also quick decline at the same time. Um, and Kansas City is somehow still around, but like, you know, it, it's oh, that's on
1: Crockett Crockett had a stake in it. So, yeah,
0: but I mean, when we say downtime and I mean,
1: stampede, like, and you know, same like down- saying downtime, I don't mean across the board obviously like WWB WBF is still yeah in record money but everyone else was basically on their ass during this during this time period for a variety of reasons. Most of it would be WF coming into their territory, but for the most part every all this is down whether it was uh the oil industry and Gulf Coast, whether it's bad booking and world class, whether it's you know uh Bruce Hart and Stampede and his business acumen like there's there's a variety of factors but it it's the time it's the time when generally most feds were most regional promotions were just closing up shop at that point and dusty words from from the article and everything in history like pwf did do pretty well from what it seems like they were they were hitting that they're hitting that market uh doing shows all over florida which at that time like WWE was doing Florida. They expanded into Florida quite early. It was 85 right before Eddie Graham died. Uh, they started hitting Florida, and it was a regular loop for them. Um, they did pretty well, but at the same time, at the same time, even Crockett did well in Florida. Florida seemed to always do respectable during the, during the 80s, no matter what company it was.
0: Yeah. And I mean, in those territories, a lot of those territories were able to survive till about 90, 91. I mean, not doing the business they once did, but Florida, I mean, Minnesota, Memphis, they were still, they still stuck around. And Florida just did it in a different, they didn't do it in the same promoter. <laughs> they, they kind of had a rough road, but they were able to do it till about the early 90s.
1: Yeah. And even, even when the established promoters would, would close up shop, a lot of these territories still had indies with, Former territory stars are still doing well. Um, what was that company we watched? You and I watched on Pluto. That was based in the early uh, the early nineties in the Carolinas.
0: Oh, uh, um is it South Atlantic? I don't remember. I remember like, uh, but I remember the pit bulls and uh, Ken Boys Shamrock and Tatanka. Yeah. <laughs> Ken Shamrock was Vince uh, Torelli, Vince or, book, or, Yeah, Yeah. Um,
1: but they were doing somewhat respectable. I think they might've had TV. Uh, it was on Pluto's uh, wrestling channel quite recently.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, and, and, and then it was followed by uh ICCW, which was even better. <laughs> so yeah. South uh,
1: Atlantic pro wrestling.
0: Yep. South Atlantic pro, but yeah, I mean, it, it, there was still somewhat of a market. I mean, there was still syndication television. Those regional markets still wanted programming. They still go, Ooh, because they're still seeing wrestling be big on a national level, you know, and at that point, Vince can't have TV in every network in a, in a city, you know?
1: Yeah, and the same thing with, uh, we've talked about before, what really started the the independent wrestling boom in the 80s, late 80s, was when Vince expanded. Uh, WWF used to always run high school gyms in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut. They had no time to do those shows anymore. But those small towns still wanted wrestling so you had the Savoldis you had uh, all these old local promoters that would handle business for WWF for those markets they still ran and they still brought in former WWF stars into those territories into their small towns and it basically grew from there and we talk about that in WWF territory that also happened in the Carolinas because Crockett did the same thing Crockett couldn't even with three crews a night, like he couldn't continue to run these random towns in the middle of nowhere in in the Carolinas. Like he couldn't, he couldn't run Florence, South Carolina, every week. He couldn't run Sumter. Uh, he couldn't do Spartanburg. So you needed something for that, and Florida, very similar too. Even with, even with uh, Crockett running Florida, even with WWF running Florida. They're running Miami, Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville. You're not getting, you're not getting WWF making regular stops in Fort Myers or, you know, West Palm Beach, or Daytona Beach. Like none of these small towns. Like there was definitely a market for that time.
0: And I think that's a good, kind of a good segue to where we are at with this story, and where we're at with the story is is that now it's 2000 it's 99 it's 2000 wcw isn't running the small georgia towns anymore that they re, that they were and at this point wcw knows that they're not doing the business they used to be so they're targeting markets like australia and canada they're trying to tap into those markets that still kind of see WCW as a top tier product at that point though they're on a huge downswing so i think dusty you know, he, 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 he he leaves WCW. We know he has that run in ECW, but I think he's seeing that there's potential to be made to running those small Georgia towns Wrestling's still hot, even though WCW isn't doing well wrestling is still hot because WWF is doing the hot best business they've ever done ever (laughs) like, and he knows this. So,
1: I mean, it was pretty much proven when like WCW went out of business and none of those, the majority of those WCW fans never migrated over to WWE. You still had a you still had wrestling fans that wanted to watch wrestling, and especially in Georgia, they wanted the wrestling that they're used to. And at that point, like we've talked about before, in '99, especially 2000 with the Vince Russo era of WCW, they were not giving the Southern fans what they wanted.
0: And uh, so let's uh let's kind of get into it here uh dusty roads and this is a little bit from some of this is from wikipedia as well as the fandom article on termical championship wrestling um which is kind of like a wrestle wrestling wikipedia but dusty roads began plans to organize new promotion in the state of georgia in 1999 later establishing county offices in east cobb county georgia it would be said roads a southern promotion that was old school but with modern ideas And early in the next year, he started promoting local wrestling events in Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee as part of the American Dream Tour 2000. And the first official event was held by TCW in Ashburn, Georgia, in July 6, 2000, and crowned its first heavyweight champion, Glacier, defeating Jorge Estrada in the tournament final. And we'll leave it there, and then we'll go to the notes, but uh, Glacier. Who, geor- based in Georgia, you know, and Jorge Estrada, who you would who we would later know as one of the flying elvises in TNA. And let's those TNA thoughts, keep them in your the back of your head, because <laughs> it goes full circle. I think it really does. But uh, our first uh notes from the uh observer, July 17, 2000 Dusty Rhodes is running shows in Georgia in smaller towns like Cordell, Carrollton, Jessup, Warner Robbins called Terminal Championship Wrestling. Glacier is the heavyweight champion. Also working the shows are Chad Fortune, Eric Watts, Ron Weiss, Reece, who we know also know as the Yeti, and Luther Biggs. So a lot of power plant guys um, on this base. But here's something I do want to talk about, and I d- did not look at all the notes because I like to kind of be surprised. I don't know if there's anything about this. What was Wildside's thoughts on this? Because at this point Wildside is becoming the premier Georgia independent wrestling promotion.
1: That's and, a good
0: point. And I believe they're running Cordelia. I believe. I mean I could be wrong. I don't have I, I mean and they ran so many shows. I know it wouldn't be an easy thing to find.
1: Um yeah, I haven't talked to Bill Barron's in a long time, so I can't really uh talk about like what he felt about that uh I can't honestly see him or anyone like having an issue with Dusty starting a promotion it's Dusty Rhodes I feel like everyone's going to respect him enough and to know like what he's doing is not going to affect you
0: well you could look at the roster and the style and he would bring in some of those talents that worked at Wildside um which we'll touch on later but it is a lot of that old school style. I mean, look at these guys, Eric Watts, Ron Reese, Luther Biggs, Chad Fortune, I and mean, it's the power plant guys. you know? Yeah,
1: and Wildside was more about... They, Wildside had some established uh, workers, but they were also... They were big on a lot of the younger talent, too, and more of what eventually became the X Division style. So I think you had two different styles here running in, in the Georgia area. But also... The, it's it's atlanta it's Atlanta in the surrounding region like it's big enough for two feds
0: all right um so let's see here so uh moving on to the uh next note here September 18th I just saw something I can't wait to talk about when we get to 2001 so that's why I stuttered there for a bit. but uh September 18th 2000 at Dusty Rhodes Terminal Championship Wrestling will have its first tv taping on October 28th they're running every Saturday and Sunday in Georgia mainly doing sold shows with Ray Lloyd formerly Glacier as well as cha- as a champion as well as Luther Biggs and Ron Reese and occasional appearances by Dustin Rhodes and Barry Wyndham Dusty himself also wrestles on occasion for the group They're trying to syndicate TV and do Florida and Georgia and are hopefully to get in that traditional 6 p.m. Saturday night time slot on Turner South. Let's talk about the Turner South and we can kind of circle back. WCW Classics starts airing on Turner South, I think in this time frame. With Uh, host Dusty Rhodes.
1: Yeah, there was actually something in the notes uh, that really wasn't pertinent to this, but I did see when going through The Observer uh, during this era that Dusty was doing WCW Classics on Turner South, hosting it. Uh, this The story was like they were building to having Ric Flair uh, come on the show and work an angle with Dusty just on the show itself. Because at that point, uh Flair was still under contract from with Time Warner and he didn't, he didn't have a buyout yet so they were trying to figure out something to do while they were paying him to sit home. Um, but from what I understood it never materialized anything. Um, but yeah, he's definitely like Dusty is definitely uh, involved with Turner South at this point which, again, that's they're probably Turner South's probably also in Techwood so Dusty's back in the studio like so I could take it Take much effort for him to like walk down the hallway and knock on some doors and try to sell them in wrestling.
0: So I think Dusty wanted to take a regional approach, but I think he did want at least some type of national syndication, as you can see by the notes there. Because there's also something in Wikipedia that he was trying to get a TV deal from Sunshine Network, which the Sunshine Network is always was always very pro wrestling in that time period, and then into the early and mid 2000s. There'll yeah, always be some uh, wrestling on the Sunshine Network.
1: That's how I first watched ECW in 1996 through the Prime Star satellite with Sh- Sunshine. But they, yeah, they also had there was a Florida Indie on there as well during the mid 90s. I can't remember what their name, what they're called, but I remember Barry Horowitz was their uh, top
0: champion. It wasn't. It wasn't. Who um, was the guy that said wrestling was fake? <laughs> <laughs> His promotion. <laughs> Uh, Eddie, Eddie Mansfield's promotion yeah. um I don't know if it's that but they're also with the Sunshine Network there was something that aired in the early to mid-2000s it might have been NWA Florida it was something like that I remember Hack Myers being a top guy yeah it
1: does sound does sound very familiar
0: all right uh and uh, we will move on to just a f- A week later here in the Observer, September 25th, 2000, Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling will be doing its first TV taping on October 28th at the Warner Robins Georgia Civic Center. The show will be taped for both syndication in Florida and Georgia and as a pilot for Turner South Cable with the idea of using the show as a lead in for WCW Classics, the show that Dusty Rhodes hosts. Ray Lloyd Glacier versus Barry Winner for the TCW title is in the main event, and Dusty Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, Bob, and Scott Armstrong will all wrestle, and Wahoo McDaniel will be brought in for an appearance. There's also an attempt to bring in Nikita Koloff out of retirement for this show, but that isn't concerned, isn't confirmed. So we have to remember the year; it's 2000. So. WCW and ECW haven't gone out of business yet. So Dusty's, the talent he's going to get are the old territory guys.
1: Yeah, and most of them can still work a respectful style. I know Wyndham gets a lot of crap during this era because when he returned to WCW in the late 90s, he was out of shape and seemed to be phoning in. But he could, I think he could still work if he really put in the effort.
0: Yeah, he, Uh, uh but, you know, I mean, here's the thing about Barry Windham, you know, people could say what they want. I mean, but after dealing what he dealt with in WWF, <laughs> you know, like the stalker and uh, the I new blackjacks.
1: Yeah. Let me, let me, let me preface that by saying, I don't think like he was on his, I don't think he was better than ever during the late nineties. Like he obviously, yeah. obviously a drop off around 90, 91, he was. He was nowhere near what he was in the, the mid to late 80s. But... Oh, but
0: I meant WWF breaking him.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I know. I, I <laughs> yeah. 6 era. I, maybe because we're all young, but like I appreciate the, the, the new Blackjacks. I,
0: I, I didn't mind the new Blackjacks. The Stalker was always cheesy to me, though. That was cheesy. Um, October uh, 30th, uh, 2000, Dusty Rhodes' Terminal Championship Wrestling does its first TV taping on October 28th in Warner Robins, Georgia, with the show is being taped at the Turner South Network, but they haven't agreed yet to carry the show. Top matches are Ray Lloyd Glacier defending TCW title against Barry Windham, plus Ricky Morton and Bobby Eden versus Eric Watts and Chad Fortune, and Dusty versus Ron Weiss with along with Bob and Scott Armstrong. You see you got Dusty Rhodes... Versus the Yeti, aka Big Ron Stud. You got Techno Team Two Thousand versus one half of the Rock and Roll Express and one half of the Midnight Express and Glacier versus Barry Windham. So who I want, I fun- want to see this.
1: <laughs> like that match is worth just leaking on its own.
0: Oh man, because
1: they could still go. Like Morton and Eden could still go at that point.
0: Yeah, and you got tech techno and they're they're working techno team 2000 (laughs) how did they get back to because Watts was doing
1: his own thing for a while they didn't team they haven't teamed consecutively for the last five
0: years um i think well did they okay so chad fortune was in that race car tag team right but that was not with watts i can't remember who that was with but he was in that he was in that race car tag team in WCW around that time, I believe. Um, uh, and, yeah, it was on
1: Saturday Night Worldwide. I'm trying to... The pit crew.
0: The pit crew. Uh,
1: and oh, with Dale Talkberg. With Dale... The
0: <laughs> the <Demon, yeah. laughs> and then Watts did, does get brought back in the late 90s. I, 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 and I don't think he teams with anybody. I think he's just a singles guy.
1: Yeah, it was very it, – It he really didn't make an impact. He was just randomly on some WCB Thunders and Saturday Night, more of an enhancement talent.
0: So the last time they probably teamed was, like, on a WWF Superstars, like, lo- losing to the new Rockers. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my guess. Um, all right, yeah. yeah November-
1: By that point, November- Chad oh. – uh, by that point, Chad Fortune was already in was ready doing mo- running monster trucks. So wrestling was no longer his uh, his main his main business at that point.
0: I forgot Chad Fortune went in the monster truck business, um, folks. I guarantee no other podcast is covering Chad Fortune in this detail, but that's what we do here for you on Rediscovery.
1: <laughs> he got it through WCW when WCW signed a contract with uh, Live Nation. with SFX Entertainment uh, for a WCB monster truck. Somehow, like, he worked his way in there. Good for him. Give him him a good career. Oh, and he announced his retirement in 2019, so he had a good 20-year career.
0: All right, Chad Fortune, tearing up the monster truck scene.
1: Oh, and Uh, the last WWF match was with the Heavenly Bodies, so. All right, well, that's even earlier than I thought,
0: okay. Yeah. Um, November 6, 2000, Dusty Rhodes p- promoted his first Terminal championship, uh, um, t- uh, championship wrestling TV taping. Sorry, on October 28th in Warner Robins, Georgia. Dusty Rhodes North Carolina, uh, no contest with Ron Studd in one of the feature matches, as well as Barry Wyndham, uh, winning the TCW title from Ray Glacier Lloyd and another. Uh, the major angle was Bobby Eaton turning on Ricky Morton in a tag team match against. Eric Watts and Chad Fortune, Scotty Anton from ECW worked the taping. So good to see Scotty Riggs, another Georgia-based guy, uh, involved there. Um, w- sorry if I sound tongue-tied. I've done a lot of reading today. Earlier today, I taped wrestlenomics where I read a lot of Nick Quant, see Nick <laughs> quotes. So a little tongue-tied tonight. A lot of reading doing here, but uh,
1: a lot of Rumble results too, probably.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, like Rumble. Um see, so yeah, so Bobby eden turning on Ricky Morton, who would have thought? In <laughs> in that match against well, the Techno Team Reunion. Here's a question. In 2000, would they be Techno Team 2000 or just Techno Team? Or do they go now we're Techno Team 3000?
1: Um I think it's more like 20th century Fox. Like they were 20th century Fox for a little while, and then they eventually had to give it up and be 21st century Fox. So I think I, I think they went with 2000 for a little while, but you know, you, you try to you try to ride that train as long as you can.
0: Um you know, so I I had to look up, I knew you just looked him up, Chad Fortune. Like he may be one of the most successful after wcw stories there is (laughs) this guy had a pretty uh he 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 like he drove the superman uh truck the captain america truck like so he had a deal with like marvel comics to do the monster trucks this is like pretty big deal for for chad fortune here so
1: yeah Uh, and uh i didn't know he also played in the nfl too so
0: Look at that! Once again, nobody, nobody else is covering Chad Fortune the way we are here. Every <laughs> discover the Indies. Uh, m- m- moving on here uh, to December twenty fifth, two thousand. Dustin Runnels was at Starcade. Being called by management to return. Runnels is reportedly to be paid $750,000 per year, but the company isn't using him. And he's mainly wrestling for his father's Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling Group, which runs sold shows in the Georgia smaller cities. When he got there, they told him they had no plans for him and he went back home. <laughs> oh, they'll have plans for you, Dustin.
1: So I, that's something we've kind of buried the lead on, but like we're going through the results. And talk about Dustin Rhodes working for Trimble Championship Wrestling. He was employed by WCW during this entire time.
0: Which makes me wonder why was Elaney Popo just taking the knee bookies when he was on that contract? Because <laughs> the, 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 he didn't want to leave his house. Probably. He could have double dipped, though. Could have been doing what Beefcake and Virgil and Sullivan and Valentine were all doing. Oh, and, we. Uh, like we we've hinted at that in
1: the show but let, that's like an ongoing thing ongoing joke with a lot of us where like we talk about we talk about that there's a Facebook group for Steel City wrestling not the actual promotion but like still the history of wrestling and around Pittsburgh and the Ohio Valley and a little bit of the Great Lakes and uh the page is always posting results indie results from the nineties and you look at that and Virgil is always working those shows while he's on nitro the the week before you have Greg Valentine while he was in WCW, uh, Greg Valentine was also a member of the NWO in a indie fed in Pittsburgh at one point. Uh, you had Kevin Sullivan working there. You had Brutus beefcake as the barber while he was being, while he was working as Zodiac and the booty man and the disciple, uh, wcb really didn't care what you did on your days off um either they didn't care or they just didn't have anyone in the office that was smart enough to look up indie results in the observer to actually know what you were doing
0: uh back to the uh, notes here uh january 22nd 2001 uh former ref ron west promoted the show for Dusty Rhodes Timberle Championship Wrestling on January 13th in w- West hometown of Cleveland, Tennessee, drawing a sellout of about 650 fans, headlined by Rhodes beating Liberty McCall. Remember that name later, folks. Rhodes uses mainly students of his school, along with people like his son Dustin, who did a running on the show, Barry Windham, who beat Eric Watts to win the TCW t- title on the show. Um, and then of Eric Watts, of course, and Ray Lloyd. So Dusty, what he's doing here now is he's kind of doing sold shows in so, some of the smaller regions. You know, I mean, I'm sure Ron West got some type of school or fundraiser and said, "Hey, we want wrestling," and he brought it over to Dusty at that point in 2001. Which I, I'm a little bit shocked that this wasn't a Bo James show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm shocked that Bo James wasn't wasn't doing this. But
1: yeah, um, Cleveland Tennessee is right outside of uh, Chattanooga. Um, maybe like 45 minutes out of Chattanooga, but still two hours from Atlanta. So I'm like look at the results look at all these small towns. It's all within a three four hour radius of Atlanta so he's being smart. he's keeping it keeping it local where it's a, a single day drive but also yeah, if you can find sold shows like down there you can be running literally every night of the week. if you're looking at within a three hour radius you can find. During this era, you could find sold shows in for every night of the week
0: and uh liberty mccall is a guy that would pop up uh in quite a few tcw tcw shows but if that name doesn't sound familiar he's also known as steve the brawler lawler from from a wild side fame uh and and he did like some georgia all-star and he he worked global wrestling federation um and then he actually, at one point, worked for AWA World One for Del Gagner. <laughs> it, it, it it all comes together. But yeah, Liberty McCall kind of, get a of that was Steve the Brawler or another Georgia-based guy. Um, Georgia, Tennessee, but he was always in those Georgia Indies. February 19, 2001, from the Observer. Dusty Rhodes is promoting his February 18 TV taping with attempts to get on both Turner South and the Sunshine Network, most likely in the old ECW time slot in Carrollton, Georgia, as TCW versus ECW with Steve Carino versus Barry Windham, Jorge Estrada versus Yoshiero Tajiri, Sean Evans versus Scotty Anton, well, he did work for ECW a few months ago, and Ron Reese versus Super Crazy. That last match sounds like somebody ate too much fatty food right before bed and had a nightmare. This is from Meltzer, ladies and gentlemen. The last match is Eric Watts and Liberty McCall. uh, You know, see the brawler versus Dusty Rhodes and the dreaded mystery partner who rumor has it will be 67-year-old Mr. Wrestling 2 as he's supposed to be in Georgia visiting family and he now lives in Hawaii. Um, Sean Evans. And this is, I'm glad this name popped up because I was glancing at the fandom article here about sean evans well it it was about terminal championship wrestling but it said that uh sean shocker evans a trainer at the wcw power plant is have you ever heard this i'm not saying he wasn't i mean who am i but like i've heard the name sean shocker evans before but a trainer I don't know if they just have it wrong on fandom. I don't know.
1: Um, maybe it was assistant trainer.
0: You know, um, un- unfortunately we did lose uh, Sean Evans here. Um, so yeah, C- Canyon met him. And so they, they quote Canyon in this article uh, in 2007, when they talked about Sean Evans passing away and, um, Says he met him at the power plant, through his wrestling career. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about this guy. I mean, other than seeing his name and results uh, and all that. Working
1: since '93, so he wasn't a fully trained uh, worker at the power plant. Um, but doesn't mean anything. A lot of a lot of talent came in and out of there that had previous wrestling experience. Um, another guy
0: that worked for Wildside.
1: Yeah, he's from uh, Pennsylvania area, actually, in Keysport, uh, up up towards our way. Did some shows up here, Butler and Butler, PA, um, Pittsburgh area, actually, it seems more. And
0: looks like he moved. That's where I know the name, I think, from results from around here.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was all over here in the mid to late 90s. And then from what I see... uh, really nothing in 2000 and then showed back up in early 2001 in Georgia. So it seems like he moved down there and furthered his training. Uh, who are we to say like what he was doing at the power plant?
0: I just, that. I mean, I'm just saying that's the first I've ever heard of it. Um, let's go back to, to, to what they're saying here. And we'll kind of circle back to, because this one results finally pop up on gauge match uh, for this era. But Ron with Reese, big Ron stud versus super crazy. Now, as crazy and no pun intended, as crazy as that sounds, people were like, Oh, that's such a weird match. You and I have discussed this before. One of the most underrated feuds of all time and matches is is Reese and Hooventude.
1: Yeah. Um I don't remember what WCW pay-per-view that was, but it was a very, very underrated match.
0: So Ron Studd can work a guy, uh, you know, a guy that's mostly based in Lucha Libre and have it come off pretty successful. Um, but yeah, I did mention cage match. We do have cage match r- results uh, starting in 2001. As we do know though, that terminal championship wrestling did start in 2000 uh, on cage of February team, 2001, we don't have any winners. But other than Barry Windham defeating Steve Carino, we have Dusty Rhodes and a Mystery Partner versus Eric Watson, and Steve Lawler, Horia Estrada versus Jerry, Scotty Anton versus Sean Evans, Ron Stubb versus Super Crazy. So to have it happened, and a battle royal. Uh, but we don't have any winners listed. And that's a lot of these TCW events. We only have one one match result on them. Um, so we're hoping, you know, as we're going through Zeru can answer some of those questions here uh but yeah february 26 2001 a observer dusty Rhodes, terminal championship wrestling drew a sellout about 450 in Carrollton, georgia and what was billed as ecw versus tcw and uh, the matches uh of such ron stud squashed super crazy well i don't like that now mm-hmm. Scotty anton billed uh as from being from ecw even though he you know since he worked there a few months back beat shocker evans to jerry Drew Jorge Jorge Estrada in over 20 minutes. Estrada looked pretty green. Barry Windham retained the TCW title over Carino. Mr. Wrestling 2 didn't show up as Rhodes' mystery partner against Liberty McCall and Eric Watts. A bunch of masked guys came out. Carino under a mask came out and turned on Rhodes, and all the heels beat on him until Windham and Ray Lloyd made the save. No tables, chairs, and only one match brawled in the crowd. Um, I'm assuming that is... M- melter's just opinion on what was really happening at that time with all the tables ladders and chairs yeah um it, to be
1: fair from everything we're seeing here everything we're seeing here uh they didn't actually promote mr wrestling too
0: no it was just mystery partner and melter was to believe that it was pro wrestling too yes whether they had him locked in or not we don't know um it's definitely a dusty finish <laughs> you know like it's supposed to be a tag match these mystery guys come out and they beat up dusty you know and we got nothing you know continuing the feud
1: so so when do you, when do we get to the point where it's just getting very weird that dusty's just rehashing the same angles from 85 where all the heels come out and beat them up.
0: But I, that is true. I get what, I guess when you're doing it in front of 450 people in Georgia, I mean, they're probably pretty happy. I mean, this was the right market for that. Yeah, it's the, nostalgia. Those people in, you know, the people, the fans in Georgia, North Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, Florida, to an extent, Louisiana. Yes, times change. And we see that the modern wrestling style does very well there. I mean, look at action wrestling in the heart of Georgia. Uh, very modern wrestling style. But those people still have this attachment to that old school style. The old school Southern style. The clear-cut babyface. The clear-cut heel. You know, all you people are disgusting. Heel promo and all that. like <laughs> Stuff that really just can't work in the Northeast or, or, or the West Coast or the Midwest. I- it
1: it might be it it's it might be a discussion for a different time and probably something beyond like what well, our knowledge, but I would challenge that by just saying uh with how how many people from the northeast have moved down south within the last twenty, thirty years that I don't know if the fans in Georgia and the Carolinas just warmed up to the current style or if a lot of those people were transplants from the Northeast that just grew into like seeing that style because for, for decades, WWE never drew well in the Carolinas that changed during the attitude era. And generally now WWE does respectfully respectable in that area. Um, Businesses this is down across the board. That's another point. But I, I feel like a lot of companies that run down there are getting a lot of fans that traditionally were not mid-Atlantic fans and not fans that lived in the area for decades and didn't have deep roots. I'm not saying all fans, but I think the migration patterns do help that uh to help expand wrestling in certain areas.
0: Well, I mean look at Florida. I think Florida became a pretty modern wrestling state and Florida is probably the highest transplant state in the country. Uh I would say, you know, probably the highest number of transplants. Um yeah. and that's a and and Florida is one of the birthplaces of the super indie style in the early 2000s.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it, um I'm in mean, I'm in no way trying to try to say like current wrestling would oh, oh. succeed in these area areas if it wasn't for transplants but i think i i feel like that does have a large that does hold a uh a large reason for that to
0: happen oh you no, know, my point was really just agreeing with you like florida yeah. was the first transplant state and then that that was kind of where that modern indie wrestling style is accepted. And in parts of georgia too i mean wild side but now it's very accepted, but here's the thing about the South is, you still will have the traditional wrestling show. I mean, Bo James still successfully promotes as well as oh, others. Yeah. You know, the traditional clear cut, like, the you know, the heel you know, just makes fun of the crowd the baby face sticks up for the town and that's where we're at, like Oh, yeah, um, there's, still, there's still And you there's can still even a do that in small place. towns in the Northeast Yeah. We've seen it
1: was, Yeah, say that, there's, there's still companies, there's still promotions up here in the Northeast that still do the same thing most of them are based on like booking the Greg Valentine's and the Bruce Beefcakes and Coco Beware's and the old WF talent. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of, it's that old school style. So that style still works in certain areas too. I mean, maybe that's something more for this, this whole theory is sort more for like Russellnomics for you and Brandon to, yeah. to hint on someday of like changing migrations and changing wrestling patterns.
0: Um, we did talk kind of, we did a regional breakdown with AEW and WWE based on uh, um, Yellowstone and uh, Succession, which was very cool. It was very interesting uh, takeaway. But uh, but yeah, no, back to this. And, and, and this is kind of what I want to address later on when we kind of wrap this up later on in the episode is, you know, 450 fans in Georgia and running all these small towns. I think the common person would just go, oh, that wasn't successful for Dusty. And it didn't last super long, but this was probably one of the most successful Dusty things of all time in the aspect of on his own. Because when you look at this and you look at PWF, um, I mean, and I'm not sure if Dusty did more on his own, but like at least between those two, I I think this ends up being more successful than a pro wrestling federation.
1: Yeah, um, I think what probably helps is during the PWF era, you're not paying Dick Slater a $20 bill. Like during this era, <laughs> you're, you're booking. <laughs> we don't sp-
0: know Dick Slater got $20. <laughs> no,
1: no, no, I'm saying like you're not going to walk up to him and have envelope with yeah. $20 in there. Um, there's the talent in the late 80s that was a full time job. So you're paying your talent expenses are going to be a little bit higher than when you're booking students on sold shows where even 20 years ago, you're more than likely not paying students or they're getting very minimal money uh, for that. And it's, it's cloaked in the, the motto of paying your dues. So I'm not saying Dusty Rhodes is not paying people during this era, but I think like your expenses are very low during this, the early two thousands, then he would have had to deal with and, 13 years earlier
0: um and now we're we're going into march and uh there is a story about the georgia uh athletic Commission, which we're gonna touch in a second but i do want to touch about this article that also happens around the same time um and we have to remember what also happens around the same time is is that wcw is about to go out of business and dusty Rhodes is back doing a tag team feud teaming with his son against rick flair and jeff jarrett and there was actually an article that touched on that in the Orlando Sentinel, but also touched on Terminal Championship Wrestling. It was from Rick Russo. Um, last weekend, the father and son combination whose real last name is Runnels, battled Jeff Jarrett and Ric Flair in a grudge match agreed the final pay-per-view event uh, at World Championship Wrestling. WCW is being dropped by TBS and TNT. The final Nitro broadcast will air Monday night on TNT it's right before that last thing. Uh, and then just to, Skip a little bit through the article here. For the past two years, Rhodes has been absent from the limelight, even though he has been under contract to WCB since 1999. He spent some of that time on loan to his father's promotion in Marietta, Georgia, Terminal Championship Wrestling. Was it really a loan, or did he just do it? <laughs> like, it's not like soccer, where they're like, hey, can we have this player for a few months? You know? yeah, there,
1: was no, there was no financial terms. It was just um, nobody, in the, nobody in the office in Atlanta knew or cared.
0: The American Dream, who's president of TCW, uh, all, which produces professional wrestling shows all over the southeast. The And mind you, at this point, they've done Georgia, and now they've gone into Tennessee a little bit. <laughs> the, the company is a throwback to the way the pro wrestling industry conducted business back during Dusty's heyday. We take it back to the day when you wrestled in one town on one night then you got in your car and you wrestled in a different town the next night said the elder Rhodes about tcw it's old school it's the way we used to do it when i was with championship wrestling from florida and the old national wrestling alliance and uh i wish i could have wrestled back in the era of the NWA. my dad dustin said real old school style and then and then it just kind of goes into more about uh you know, Dustin Rhodes and what got him there. So there's not much we have to dig into after that um, from the Orlando Sentinel. But what I do want to touch on this the reason why I brought this up was this was, I think part of the, this too, was dusty really wanting to do something with Dustin w- at least one more time because he probably knew his in ring career was on it was close to the end yeah i could see that i mean i think he had other motives as we talked about to open up tcw but i i i think having dustin involved and which i don't even know if there's anything in notes but there probably isn't but cody cody's a referee
1: oh yeah it, we do hit on that later on
0: yeah could, you know Co- cody uh cody Rhodes is a uh, is a referee for this so it was a real family affair for a while in Terminal championship wrestling for the Rhodes family and uh you know and we hear all the stories of you know were they i don't really know if they were estranged in the mid 90s or if that was something really for wwf television to the kind of draw out but there was a time that dustin and dusty i guess were strange if we're to believe what was told to us um so it's kind of nice to see this here and and i think you know, Dustin Rhodes is probably a guy who just spent the last 10 years doing gold dust and all this other stuff and probably kind of wanted to just do something old school with his dad. And I think it was a nice break for Dustin Rhodes before, of course, which we'll touch on later on. He goes back to WWF.
1: Yeah. Um, and again, because he was sitting at home collecting a WCW paycheck and not being used. So might as well get out of the house.
0: All right, uh, moving on to the notes here. We're staying in March, though. March 19, 2001. This is from The Observer. The Georgia House of Representatives passed a bill which would regulate pro wrestling, but it appears the bill is already dead because the sponsor, Representative Ellen Powell of Hartwell, after lobbying from area wrestling personalities, agreed to rewrite the bill. To eliminate regulating pro wrestling, the regulation bill was snuck into a bill primarily aimed at legalizing ticket scalping for entertainment and sports events, which passed 162 to six on March seventh. After word got out, local indie promoters were most vociferous in their reaction, since if the pa- if it passed the Senate and was signed into law, it would increase the cost of doing business in what is already extremely tough business to turn any kind of profit in. Ron West, who works for Dusty Rose Tournament Championship Wrestling, said we are not professional wrestlers, we're entertainers. Powell said that it was immaterial since the Boxing Commission, which will oversee pro wrestling, will have its name changed to the Georgia Athletic and Entertainment Commission. Powell since has introduced the bill at the request of the commission itself, which told him pro wrestlers making virtually no money often injured themselves or their opponents doing dangerous stunts in hopes of attracting the attention of well paying national promotions. I love some of the quotes. Uh, Tom Machu, executive security of the commission, said he had heard such injuries secondhand, but the commission had never been appraised of them firsthand. Both West and Bill Barons, who promote NWA Wildside, denied wrestlers getting injured. Barons claimed in the last 18 months the most serious injury on his shows was a broken arm. Well, how timely is this? <laughs> As it's been going around in modern times is about the what the New York State Athletic Commission has done to promotions like Game Changer Wrestling and others, uh, and is there a need for athletic commissions to regulate wrestling? Is it some, are these policies that they're enforcing even there, (laughs) you know, and and our good friend, David Bixen's band goes through a lot of that. Um, Check him out. Uh, But
1: it's uh, I'm, I'm glad a lot of that is getting out there, but we've been dealing with it for 20 years in in New York. Um, Yeah. And this actually also shows how easy it is to, enact laws and change laws that this regulation bill was snuck into a different bill. So anyone in New York, just talk to your local legislator and get a bill thrown in somewhere because that's all really needs to do is like, just drop professional wrestling from regulation. Um, Being regulated by athletic commissions, it was always a holdover from the old days of kayfabe but it obviously doesn't serve a purpose now and this too like i i wish i would have did more research on this um just to see like what was the underlying reason that the georgia house of representatives wanted this to be put through um generally most of the commissions look at look at it purely as a from a financial standpoint uh they cloak it in the idea of safety for the competitors, but it's really mostly about money. Um, so obviously like if they're going to regulate pro wrestling, there's obviously going to be uh, license application fees and surcharges, maybe a ticket tax. Um, and Georgia was hardly the only uh, athletic commission during this era. Like wrestling was hot wrestling. Just coming off the attitude era, everyone wanted everyone wanted to try to get money, try to get a piece of that pie.
0: Uh, and uh, you know, one thing too that, that I want to touch on this is Ron West saying we're entertainers, not professional wrestlers. The, the stuff that the old and Ron West, old school guy, man, Knoxville territory, Smoky Mountain wrestling, uh. I think he was involved with Continental. Here he is involved with Tournament Championship Wrestling, and they're going with the with Vince McMahon's argument, which they say they hate because it is professional wrestling. But when it comes to their favor, oh, oh we're not professional; we're entertainment.
1: Well, uh, when did when did Lawler say it? I, I don't remember the exact year, but I remember the early the the late '90s. Lawler had to go on. Lawler
0: said it in '96 or '97 when the USWA was being like something, right? USWA. Yeah, yeah, they were. It was towards the end of the USWA, and no all that. Yeah,
1: they were running USWA is running a uh, a casino in, in Mississippi. Mississippi, yeah, and uh, that was at that point like that was there were sold shows. That was really the only income they had coming in, and uh, Lawler had to go in front of the commission or the state legislator. I don't remember, but he, he had to go in front of uh, in front of somebody and basically say under oath that what they do is predetermined, um in his own way. And then uh some newspaper reporter from Memphis got a hold of that and posted it or not posted it or that era, but uh wrote an article about it and it was in the Memphis paper. And uh Lawler had to go on Memphis TV with Lance Russell and basically just explain, try to get out of it so fans didn't think that their top star just admitted wrestling was fake. And the interviews out there on YouTube, uh, it's like a five, six minute interview, maybe even longer, but like he basically like has the newspaper and explain like what he explained, explain like what he said and what he meant on TV to try to save the business. But regardless of explanations, like even like Lawler and USWA Memphis, which for years used to have that mentality of whatever vince said like that's his business well we're wrestling here uh we're legit like even them during a down period realized all right enough of that we have to if it's going to save our business we can come clean because there's no point in insulting russell's intelligence insulting the fans intelligence at that point
0: all right, uh, so we'll move on to the Observer, and the Observer ha- has a lot more uh, of these results than the cage match has, because I think the next cage match we have is in the summer, and we got some results here from the Observer here. Um, this is from the April 9th, 2001 Observer uh, from March 31st, Seagrove, North Carolina. So I I got to admit, I was a little bit wrong. Dusty is, he's- is trying to cover the North- Southeast. Um, I mean, that's the third state now we've brought up here. Um, but... Uh, ter-
1: that is about a five-hour drive. It's north of Charlotte, too. So he's um, really expanding out there.
0: So you drawing 300. Uh, Damian, uh, not the Mexican wrestler uh, uh, Meltzer puts, beat Luther Biggs. Mad Max uh, beat Sean Evans. Uh, Desiree Peterson beat Lalani Kai, which I think that ends up being Desire from TNA as we go on. I think that's what ends up being. Uh, Manny Fernandez beat Jorge Estrada. Now, the question is, which Manny Fernandez is this? i don't think this is raging bull i think this is the florida manny fernandez right there was a it was he florida or georgia but i remember him appearing on wcw uh the uh, tapings like losing to goldberg and others
1: yeah there was uh, a jobber but no i believe it's uh the original manny fernandez um
0: okay yeah so
1: i i, I next, yes. it it says uh, later in the notes too
0: I, but see, to in me, it could have been the other man. I just saw it. And then uh, Scotty Anton and Sonny Siaki beat Glacier and Jason Sugarman. And in a bowl row match, uh, Dusty Rhodes beat Barry Windham. And yeah, so Dusty Rhodes brought a long longtime tech to Manny Fernandez to Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling on March 31st uh, at the elementary school in Seagrove, North Carolina. Dusty Rhodes also announced that he would be doing a Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling pay-per-view after getting television in the fall he said he would work with howard brody and turnbuckle would become an nwa group and started talking about doing an nwa promotions national tour using Rhodes versus rick flair as a headline attraction although flair's wcw contract would likely nix that happening as far as the pay-per-view goes it's tough ecw's next to last pay-per-view did a 0.1 buy rate the last one actually did a quite be- bit better and wcw's last pay-per-view with Rhodes and flair in the bay angle also did a 0.1 and those aren't profitable numbers all the attempts at non-name brand pay-per-view shows like wow i generation heroes of wrestling were flops at the box office so this is like a super rediscovering the indies paragraph here huh <laughs>
1: um i One think all
0: promotions like wow well wow wasn't actually but it you know but i generation heroes of wrestling
1: um yeah i i think you guys realize this time like WWE was just bought out about a week a little over a week earlier uh ecw was dead so of course dusty's gonna try to get on pay-per-view dusty probably saw this as prime opportunity to start a second national brand um just as we've realized here in previous episodes, like this spring of two thousand one, everyone was trying to get that spot. Everyone was trying to be number two.
0: But Dusty, you're you're drawing three to four fifty in in these southern towns, which is fine. That's the, the, Like I said, I thought it was a great business move to do this. But you know, what's what's? Let's, let's break this down by thing. The 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 uh, pay per view. <laughs> I, I you know Meltzer brings up the 0.1s. I mean, Dusty doesn't have that star power that WCW ECW had even at, at the end. Like he's got him, he's got Barry Wyndham, but that's really it. You know, I mean, I, I don't think you're just gonna be, you know, Sonny Siaki's not a known commodity at the time, neither is Hori Estrada. I mean, great, great wrestlers there, but not people that are gonna draw people in and out of pay-per-view. Um, number two, the NWA promotions national tour with Rhodes vs. Flair. So, we talked in our last NWA, uh, deep dive where the NWA was trying to get Ric Flair to appear for them while he was under contract. <laughs> Little did we know they tried to do it seven years earlier.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they tried to do the Deal. Uh, I don't remember the exact amount, but it was the deal of uh, they paid Flair flat rate to do like thirty appearances uh, throughout all the NWA territories. Um, wow. now, if if this could have worked in two thousand one, if Flair didn't go back to didn't go back to WWE in November, do you think a Dusty Rhodes versus Rick Flair tour, sort of like? wwa or like what flair and hogan did years later in australia do you think dusty versus flair would have worked
0: i think it would have worked on a mid-atlantic tour like if you did charlotte atlanta chattanooga all those small in the smaller towns in that area Uh, probably did florida you could probably get away with florida and all that um if you did that sure i don't think it would do well on pay-per-view
1: Oh no! No, it definitely wouldn't be pay per view. That would be a house show thing. But at the same time, would you draw enough to justify what Flair would be asking for, and what D- Dusty would want to make it profitable? Because I'm sure in Dusty's mind, he would think like that match would sell out an arena. I'm thinking more of like how Flair and Hogan did
0: the whole uh, Yeah, the
1: Hulkamania tour in Australia, um, but also like years earlier with WOW, or not WOW, uh, WWA, World Wrestling All-Stars, where they basically came up, they started in fall of 2001 and used a lot of former WCW guys, but at that point, they were, like, Jeff Jarrett was their top star. They didn't really have any legends. Like Bret Hart appeared for them. Sid appeared for them. More of non-wrestling roles. But, like, e- even though Dusty versus Flair in the nwa in the 80s was wasn't an international feud uh i feel like if wwa could have got both of them i think that could have drawn in a international sense
0: yeah i mean it's you know especially what they were doing um i think it's been proved before that wwa didn't do bad business it just didn't have it wasn't a business that could stay for a long time Like it it didn't have that longevity.
1: Yeah. I mean, as a touring, like the, the, the Las Vegas pay-per-view was a disaster, but I think being touring, touring Europe, touring Australia with Nostalgia Act would have worked for them. But yeah, that's for another, that's for another episode. Maybe we'll do a World Wrestling All-Stars episode someday.
0: Um, And just the last part I want to talk about this is being the NWA affiliation. Uh, It would have been a good fit, but then it makes me wonder if this does happen and Dusty does try to expand the brand nationally. Does TNA even become an NWA affiliate in 2002?
1: I think they still do. Um, I think if anything more, it would help. It it would have convinced the Jarrett's... It would just solidify with the Jareds to stay with or to start with the NWA because now, not only do you have the NWA, but you have Dusty that's also involved in the NWA, so they get Dusty right off the pat.
0: The point I'm trying to make though is the NWA made the, the world title and tag titles and all that, like they wanted them defended, obviously, in small in the other territory or uh, promotions, but they let TNA have kind of like creative control over them okay they wouldn't be able to do that if they were affiliated with dusty and dusty was growing as a promotion i don't think they would they would allow that be like oh well dusty thinks this guy should be nwa champion you think that yeah i think it would have caused issues to where we were back in the old territory days
1: uh yeah i mean that that's hard to That's hard to know, like, what would have been like, what would have been a what if situation. Um, I could definitely see Dusty's being like, Well, whoever the champ is, like, I want dates on the champion, but at the same time, like, I don't know if Jerry Jarrett and Jeff Jarrett would say no to Dusty. (laughs) Like, if Dusty wanted dates and Ron Killens, like, he was gonna get dates and Ron Killens, no one's gonna tell him no. I, and even. Even with that, like later on, we talked about with the in our NWA episode where Sting's the champion in NWA TNA, and like would he? have yeah. taken he would have even take an indie dates. I think if Dusty was an NWA affiliate and he was still running at that time, if Dusty wanted dates on Sting, Sting was going to go work for Dusty
0: Rhodes. Yes, if, if if Dusty didn't have power and was just another NWA affiliate, a hundred percent. Yeah, but. But I would imagine if Dusty cuts the deal with the NWA, he's going to have a lot of power. I mean, th- that's just just my
1: guess. Um, oh, yeah, I know. I Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, that's a d- double-edged sword in there. That's another aspect of that where, yeah, he will be – I think he would have interjected himself a lot into who was going to be the NWA champion.
0: I mean, and he ends up working for – tna very shortly too in 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 tna's run um april 16 2001 uh, dusty Rhodes is talking about doing a november pay-per-view show from charlotte that of course would require getting enough television to pull something like that off and currently tcw has no television anywhere let alone the major markets his next major show is may 5th in dothan alabama headlined by barry windham defending the tcw title against tommy dreamer plus scott hall and steve carino will appear so we're seeing a little bit more star power we're seeing Alabama now Dothan a traditional wrestling city yeah definitely expanding that footprint uh
1: three hours Dothan is three hours from Atlanta but it's also uh it's also more towards Pensacola it's closer to Pensacola than is Atlanta so you're it's
0: an old continental uh yeah
1: you're really getting out of championship, championship wrestling Georgia Georgia championship wrestling area and you're really getting into continental area and also the the panhandle, the Gulf coast there. So you're really getting out there and.
0: And you got the Armstrongs.
1: So why not? That's all you need for that area. Um, I know we, we've, we've talked before about certain feds that. That run multiple States and they try to use that to say they're bigger than they normally are. We see that in wrestling a lot. Um, but really when they run. They're running into areas where you're right on the border, so they can hit multiple states and still within an hour drive. Um, Dusty's really expanding. He's expanding four or five, six hours away in some of these in some of these occasions, but and hitting multiple states. So he can really he's really starting to grow into a regional, uh, regional promotion at this point.
0: April 30th, uh, 2001, uh, Glacier and Jorge Estrada beat Scotty Anton and Sonny Siaki in the main event of the Terminal Championship Wrestling Show on April 21st. The show drew about 225 fans. Think about that when you hear threats of TCW running a pay-per-view this fall. This is, by the way, this is the figure four. This is from um, Alvarez. Um, May 26th show The promo- has promoter Dusty Rhodes teaming with Jason Sugarman to face Ron Studd and Jason Dobbins. As well as Steve Carino versus Barry Windham for the TCW title. Uh, so Sugarman and Dobbin's, I'm not really familiar with too much. Uh, but uh, Dusty, Dusty did love Ron Studd, huh?
1: <laughs> That's the um, old school mentality. Got a big guy, gonna get him, gonna get him, uh, put him out there as a big heel, have him destroy a bunch of guys, squash a bunch of guys, and then uh, the. Big baby face comes in and beats him. It's wrestling
0: 101. Um, We got two May 14th notes. So uh, we'll start with the uh, Alvarez in the figure four. Dusty Rhodes and Scott Hall beat Steve Lawler and Larry Sabisco in the main event of Terminal Championship Wrestling Show on May 5th in Dothan, Alabama. Fans liked it for nostalgia reasons, but it wasn't a very good wrestling match. Tommy Dreamer put over TCW champ, TCW uh, champ Barry Windham clean in the middle of the retained title. Kevin Nash, who was also at the show, probably scoffed at Dreamer's Selfless X. This had to have been a favor. <laughs> Kevin Nash isn't working some regional indie for... like I mean, I mean, Kevin Nash, he did work the indies a lot, but his rate wasn't cheap.
1: <laughs> no. Uh, and I
0: imagine in 2001, I mean, and actually... I'm starting to think about it here. I don't even know if
1: he was actually medically cleared.
0: Not only that,
1: Ash, he's on the WWE contract.
0: He's on the Turner contract.
1: <laughs> but he have from what I remember he like during that downtime there before like when WCW closed and then he came back to WWE in 2002, he had uh he had medical surgery to fix his knees. Um I believe his knees. So Maybe this was just him driving to a show to hang out. Like we don't have results, so we don't know if he's actually uh, if he actually wrestled. Um, actually, scratch it. We do have results in next section. Um,
0: yeah, we we but, we do, and yeah, we'll t- we'll talk about that. That's from the Observer.
1: But yeah, there's a little bit more here. So I think I think he was probably just there hanging out. Uh the one thing that's more shocking to me or more surprising is that you. Larry Zabisco, who never really worked the continental territory, is uh, is randomly booked in Dothan, Alabama.
0: Uh, I don't think this is random at all. Scott Hall, okay. Th- this is when Hall and Sabisco become very close.
1: Well, no, they were they were close in the AWA era,
0: were yeah. Well, I know they were close in the 90s and, and then obviously the early to mid 2000s doing a lot of stuff together,
1: yeah. Yeah, Larry always looked out for them from everything I've understood. Um, I I guess like if Larry's living in Atlanta living
0: Yeah. And Larry and Dusty were probably close. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah.
1: I don't... Um I I can see that. It's just like it caught me off guard because a lot of the legends that he was using uh just seemed to be southern St- southern legends. Uh not really talent that not really guys from other areas um, and just like Davisco was never big in that area. So just, it threw me off. Uh,
0: so they did get results. Uh, Bobby Hayes beat Sean. And now this is in Dothan Five hundred sixty-eight. He said was the draw. Uh, Bobby Hayes beat Sean Evans. Southside trash beat Jorge Estrada and Sonny Siaki, uh, via DQ. Scotty Anton beat Lodi. Glacier beat Ron Studd. Dusty Rhodes and Scott Hall beat Larry Sabisco and Steve Lawler. And in the TCW title, Barry Windham beat Tommy Dreamer. Um, and then it, um, uh, Meltzer goes into a little bit of a deep dive on it. Dusty Rhodes turned World Championship Wrestling drew 568 fans on May 5th and Dothan, Alabama. First show headlined by Rhodes and Hall versus Sabisco and Lawler. Fans enjoy the match because of nostalgia and star power, but obviously not much for wrestling. And Lawler, who usually works roadshow as Liberty McCall, of course, did the job. Subisco did his trademark stalling main event. Saw Barry Windham uh, keep the TCW title after pinning Dreamer clean in the middle crowd was split on this one with Dreamer getting slightly more cheers, mostly brawling. Of course, Dreamer put him over clean in the middle. When it comes to finishes, Dreamer is the least selfish major star in the business. There are guys who will do jobs when asked, but still want finishes to protect them. Uh, Dreamer will put over somebody who isn't anywhere near a star level. Samoa Joe on UPW. Dreamer is out here. Trying to put over the, you know, anybody he can in 2001. Um, he might in middle might have over at that point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nash was at the show, uh, to visit with Hall. Former WCW uh, talent Daphne was working with Scotty Anton. Uh, Carino, Dreamer, and Hall were scheduled for the next TCW show, uh, May 19th on Jekyll Island, Georgia. Um, But, yeah, so I mean, looks like I don't know if Nash was actually on the show now by Meltzer's report. Maybe he was just there, happened to be there. And people probably saw him because it's an indie show. There probably isn't much, you know, places to hide him.
1: He's a very tall man, too. You can't hide him. Uh, June 18,
0: 2001. NWA Florida is the latest group doing a Super Junior sermon, which we kind of talked about earlier. Florida started to be in the uh really gravitate to super indie style uh patterned after the success of the super eight promoted by ecwa this show takes place on july 10th in, in tampa at the armory and will have 12 participants scoot andrew mike sullivan billy fives jet jaguar pepe prado Tony casinas christopher daniels air paris lex love it jason rumble jimmy rave and reckless youth they're also scheduled to do a joint show with tcw on august 21st in tampa with dusty Rhodes returning so smart for dusty he wants to get in florida probably the best promotion in that area at that time was nwa florida so that was probably a smart partnership discussing that but look at just look at this we're in the south and look at the contrast of results we just read ash like (laughs) We we read results with Larry Sabisco and Ron Studd and Glacier and Lodi and Scotty Riggs and just a lot of WCW guys. And a few hours away in Florida, we're we're talking Tony Kazina, Christopher Daniels, Jimmy Rave, Reckless Youth, really the, the future, the future of the business.
1: Yeah. And I think it, it might go back to like my earlier early discussion about like different areas like Florida having a lot of transplants, but it was definitely the birthplace of a lot of the super indie style. Um and yeah, Dusty you knew Dusty eventually wanted to expand into Florida. He wanted to get that he wanted to relive the heyday and bring wrestling, his style of wrestling back there. Um like he did with PWF. Um in Florida, in yeah, like the low the most most south he was really running was Dothan. Um Florida, it's still a good distance away, especially Tampa. Like, you're not going to do that Atlanta to Tampa drive in a single day. Um, but he definitely, if he can make inroads and get into Florida, do some spot shows. I'm pretty sure that's, that was his ultimate game plan in there.
0: We do have some results here uh, in Cage Match. Finally, use Cage Match again. Um, June 30th, 2001 in Carlton, Georgia. Jason Sugarman and Prodigy defeated Southside Trash, which was Big Daddy and Randy Harris That was a tag team. Bobby Hayes defeated Luther Biggs. New Jack defeated Lodi. Well, New Jack versus Lodi sounds good. <laughs> I want to... Glacier and Hori Estrada versus the Dobbins brothers, Chad and Jason Dobbins. Uh, they defeated him. Scotty Riggs defeated Canyon. Dusty Rhodes and New Jack defeated Larry Sabisco and Luther Biggs. Dusty Rhodes and New Jack as a tag team, ladies and gentlemen, and that's going to lead into our next note here. And I, do want, to say, I
1: do want to say I want to see New Jack and Zabisco in a ring. <laughs> yeah.
0: July, and, and that kind of ties into July 9, 2001. Uh, Dusty Rhodes 55 and Larry Zabisco 47, but in great condition for his age. Headline for Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling on June 30th in Carrollton, Georgia before about 400 fans. It started with the Zabisco stall and eventually became a tag match with Luther Biggs with Sabisco and New Jack with Dusty, with Dusty going over, of course, Cody Runnels, Dusty's youngest son, made his debut as a referee. So July 9th, 2001, the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes makes his professional wrestling debut as a referee.
1: And probably rough New Jack in his first night.
0: Yeah, Probably, yeah. I don't know which matches he did rough. I would imagine Dusty probably had him in his match so he can kind of lead him.
1: Um, but yeah, I find that as that's one of those surprising, uh, tidbits of the notes here that dusty book new Jack and it wasn't a one-off too. Like you worked for him for, for several shows. Um, it just seems like, especially in 2001, this is ECW right off of ECW new Jack. It wasn't new Jack later on after like the shark boy tag team in TNA where new Jack kind of, kind of got a little bit uh sort of I'm looking for got got a little more tame yeah uh
0: i think so it's
1: directly off of the ecw um actually more so like the xpw stuff too yeah getting ready for that era too
0: and i think too and the reason why we do topics like this on this episode i mean on this podcast it really tells a story of where we are at right so You know, Dusty Rhodes had a huge influence on WCW and WWF, but you could see we're talking about his influence on the independent wrestling scene. And, you know, Cody seeing this in 2001, and people consider 2001 the true birth of the independents, the real independents. Like, yes, you had your indies in the 90s, but where indie wrestling is now, and, like, Cody Rhodes, of course, you know, ran all in you know was one of the people that ran all in with the young bucks and now we grew into AEW and uh, you know that he always had that entrepreneurial it looks like you know need that Dusty had it seems like you know the the branding and all that and uh, it all started here in you know uh, Carrollton Georgia
1: within months after WCB going out of business and Mm -hmm. no other competition
0: uh, july 30th 2001 from the figure four weekly dusty roads terminal championship wrestling will be holding open tryouts on august 11th and august 12th they're looking for both independent wrestlers who want to get work with tcw and students looking to train with roads in the school if you're the atlanta area and interested in and they actually list the phone number here in the figure four weekly yeah
1: i left that in there i figured you wouldn't just blurt it out on the, on the air
0: but uh. <laughs> no um, uh now let's see here august 6 2001 um and uh this is uh so we're considering we'll have a couple articles too that will uh come in this time period which we're going to talk about but august 6 2001 from the observer john collins yes folks john collins main event championship wrestling besides the names mentioned last week also appearing for the group will be bagwell who is obviously taking this very seriously because he turned down several bookings with dusty roads at a thousand dollars per shot for this gig, so Buff Bagwell turned down Dusty Rhodes to work for John Collins in main event championship. First. Yeah, and uh, as you guys know, our episode John Collins.
1: I left this, to be I left this in the notes, uh, just a little bit like the little uh paragraph there, just to, as a callback to the John Collins episode where we did mention this as well. There, that Buff Bagwell was so. Into the John Collins uh, promotion, the John Collins lie that he turned down working for TCW <laughs> to take a uh, one thousand dollar per shot gig that you know did obviously did not pan out.
0: All right. Uh, also, from that uh, observer, Dusty wrote: "Terrible, Wrestling In conjunction. Howard Brody's NWA Rancho's in July 26th in Jacksonville and July 27th in Live Oak, Florida. So Dusty's in Florida now. Rhodes looked really bad in the ring the first night uh, before 390, wrestled Larry Sabisco, complete with Sabisco taking eight minutes to lock up, which turned into tag matches with Dustin and Luther Biggs. Of course, Dusty only had to wiggle his finger for those in attendance to become unglued. Technically, it wasn't a tag since Dustin is still collecting on his Time Warner contract for almost $15,000 per week, and Wink Wink, can't wrestle until August 1st. Second night drew about $575 for Rhodes and over ron stud via dq with a heel run in and dustin to save to set up dusty versus dustin versus cw anderson and stud on august 25th in the same building barry windham the tcw champ scotty Anton and manny fernandez also worked the weekend dates don't be surprised to see a dustin versus carino nwa title program that sounds amazing uh, but uh to circle back to the turner contract so well i'm not in a match
1: well, no, it wasn't an announced match.
0: Yeah, and, and here's the thing too. This gets out in the observer on August 6th. August 1st is it see so he know he, how are anybody gonna find out about it? They're not gonna find out until after August. And at that point, what are they gonna do?
1: Yeah, to be to be fair to Dustin, like it was only a few days before his contract expired. That wasn't as bad as it wasn't as egregious as some other people <laughs> under WWE deals that were working indies and working in Mexico while still actively on the WWE roster.
0: And in August, and this is kind of, you know, I mean, Dustin is, you know, getting back into things, his contract ending with Turner. You know, we see Cody's getting involved with the business. It's really becoming a family business here. And they kind of go on a press tour. And I think this is probably when they're starting to think this is when we're really, you know, gonna get some buzz and we have two articles from the period of august 2001 that i'm gonna read for you we'll start with the slam article from slam wrestling uh and this is august 1st 2001 from greg oliver after being out of action for months, Dustin Rhodes is itching to get back in the ring. His world championship wrestling contract expired on August 1st, and now he's turning his attention to his father, Dusty Rhodes, turnbuckle championship wrestling promotion. The former Gold Dust teams up with his father this Saturday in Dothan, Alabama, to face former ECW star C.W. Anderson and the masked American Nightmare. Wait, what? <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back to that. but I'll go back to the article. He talked with Slam Wrestling about the chaotic last couple of years of his life and his belief in Turbuckle as a promotion that serves as an alternative to the WWF. I love this business, and I'll do anything to help my dad to better Turbuckle Championship Wrestling. I think it will be good, Dustin Rhodes said. The promotion is based out of Atlanta and has been running all around Georgia and Alabama and recently made inroads to Florida. TCW is the alternative to the World Wrestling Federation, he explained. To me and mine, my, my opinion and my dad's opinion— we are the World Wrestling Federation's competition. We are not an independent. We are a company. We want to be treated as one, so we're going to do any everything. We can make it respectable family entertainment business. Family is the top reason Dusty is involved with TCW. He is now uh, divorced from his wife, Terry Reynolds, of WWF, and they share custody over their daughter, Dakota. Having had his own problems in the past with his father, Dustin is especially concerned with staying in Dakota's life. We had a falling out. We didn't talk for five years. Road said about his father, the American dream. Since my divorce and all that, that's really when I went to him and we put our ways aside and said, hey, we both needed some growing up to do. And we did. We're closer right now than we ever were. uh, And there's nothing I think that would tear that down again. I won't let anything happen like that because you have one father and one father only. With WCW folding and being agglomerated in WWF, Rhodes had some choice to make about his career. I really didn't have my heart set on returning to the Royal Wrestling Federation right away. Keep that in mind. Hopefully, maybe down the line. Uh, I don't know. I want to help my dad as much as possible do some independence, Japan, or whatever. But my main decision is on that was whether I wanted to be close to my daughter. Money is not everything to me, but business is. And uh, the the majority of the article really just kind of goes into Dustin's thoughts um at the end of uh, WCW and they touch on the gold dust character so we kind of got to the point of what we need to cover here when it comes to this topic um but yeah and we have one more article but we'll talk about this first so as i mentioned before this was dustin really trying to rekindle that that re- his relationship with his father and i think, And he says in that article that before I go back to the World Wrestling Federation, because I think he knew, I think he knew he would eventually be back, uh, back there. Um, And, but it's nice to see this, you know, nice to see that this, you know, what would, and I, you know, don't hundred percent, you know, quote me here, but I think I've seen Cody put some stuff on Twitter, how important Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling was to their family. As a unit and all that, and kind of rebuilding things and all that. So, like, uh th- this is th- this was important part of the Rhodes' life. You know, I, it's just a footnote for wrestling, but I think I'm glad we got the we're touching on it because it seemed to be very important to Dusty, Dustin, and Cody.
1: Yeah, the first time that all three of them worked together.
0: Now, the one quote from there though that kind of uh, go is. We're not an independent. We're a company like, I mean, technically if you're a touring company that does these small Southern towns, but you're not on television, you are an independent, right? Or do do, do you not have to have television? I mean, people would not consider the current NWA an independent, but they don't have television. They have fight in YouTube.
1: That's still technically television. I think, I think the definition, it's not TV. Uh, the definition independent is, do you have, te- do you have contracts or not? Like an independent contractor type of contract. You're independent because you don't have exclusive deals with people that you're independent of any, any contracts, or any legal situations where talent is locked in. So, yeah, TCW is an independent. I get what Dustin was trying to say. He didn't want to be pigeonholed and people thinking he's just some, they're at the same level as the run-of-the-mill independent company at that point in time.
0: But were they drawing much better than NWA Wildside? Oh, no. 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 Like, uh, But, I mean, the 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 big scheme of things, it was great though to see all all of them together doing this uh, project here. Uh,
1: and and do you have an- I do want to mention that uh, you mentioned the American Nightmare.
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Which is this work is it, well? I mean, American Nightmare sounds perfect from American Dream because dreams and nightmares. But maybe this is where Cody thought this was a good name. <laughs>
1: You want me to spoil who it is? Oh, please spoil. Uh, one Ray
0: Lloyd. So Glacier was the was the original American Nightmare. That's a feud. Tony Khan, if you're listening, and you might be. Who knows? <laughs> you myself. gotta you get you got you gotta book it. You gotta book the American Nightmare versus the original mm-hmm. American Nightmare.
1: I mean, Glacier Glacier deserves a payday. He should be named. Yeah,
0: he's he's Glacier shows up here and there. <laughs> big, big. I'm a big Glacier guy. Um. All right, uh, and the other article I want to talk about this time is like I said, they were kind of going through a little bit of a press tour uh, from the Tampa Bay Times. The birth of a brand new. Uh, this article, and this is from Jim Varcelone. Uh, this was published on August 31st, and he actually updated it. And it was updated in 2005, but this was published on August 13th. I'm sorry, 2001. Um, Let's see here. It was a historic night as Paul Heyman grabbed the microphone and proclaimed an invasion of ECW talent infiltrating the World Wrestling Federation. While Heyman later joined WCW owner Shane McMahon and new ECW owner Stephanie McMahon in forming an alliance, wcw against shane and stephanie's father vince mcmahon and the wwf former wwf wcw star dustin rhodes made his own bomb with his family combining the his, with his father the legendary dusty rhodes to promote a new wrestling brand turnbuckle championship wrestling we're getting back to our roots the way wrestling used to be dustin rhodes said it's a little bit old school and better than new. me and my dad together will be an awesome time i love how similar this is to the article he did six months earlier <laughs> Like, but based in or then when he would look at his quotes but based in mariana georgia turnbuckle conducts shows in small towns throughout the southeast dusty Rhodes formulated to tcw while working with hayman's ecw tcw is covering ground with dustin Rhodes' debut on august 4th at the farm center in dothan alabama nothing against wf or wcw dustin road said but they're just Tire me out. Goldust and the whole thing was very tiring. It was fun to do. To say I've done and made that accomplish my resume, but 300 days a year, the two two years I worked there was murder. And uh, kind of skip over a little bit more of the wf stuff, but uh, here's where he says too: the goal is for me is for us to open up a second TCW school to train aspiring wrestlers, managers, referees in North Florida, where I live. Dustin Rhodes uh, said, we will run shows in Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, and do what we can to put on a good show. As everybody knows, it takes a lot of money to make something happen. Turnbuckle doesn't have the money to compete with WF, but it provides wrestlers with an alternative in the Southeast. Uh, we've got a lot of young stars, good stars like Big Ron Studd and former UWA talent, Hory Estrada. Dustin Rhodes said Estrada is a young version of The Rock. How funny is this, Cause Siaki. <laughs> is what people compare to young Words rock but back to the article he is going to be awesome and one of these days i'm sure vince mcmahon is going to pick him up former wcw talent Lodi and daphne are on the tcw roster and the tcw heavyweight champion is former four horseman barry windham the list continues with father and son rhodes along with former ecw standout cw anderson and it just this kind of once again like the other article a lot of it goes into more of the uh do why, why wcw collapse wwf collapse and all that but it does say tcw is accepting reservations for a two-day wrestling seminar available to any wrestlers referees and announcers to be held this fall this course includes television production character creation psychology wrestling and much more all trainers at uh, wwf wcw ECW experience Space is limited. You can contact Susan Meeks. That was Susan Meeks's phone number, oh, to reserve your DCW superstar spot. Uh, the best way to experience Terminal Championship Wrestling is live, and they give the Dusty Roads uh, website there. Um, yeah, so and that's pretty much the what we need on that Tampa Bay Times article from Jim Versalone. So to to touch on it though, well, you yeah, know they got big stars like Ron Studd, Ash, <laughs> but. Uh, the Hori Estrada thing is funny because Sonny Siaki's on the roster and Sonny Siaki was compared to The Rock way more than Hori Estrada was. Yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, and you know, we just see it from here. Dustin, I think Dustin really wanted to make this work. And I think he really believed in the idea. I wonder if he was financially with it with Dusty. That, I don't know if we have anything on that. Um, but this that part that those quotes kind of made me think he was but we're gonna go back to the notes here august 21st 2001 from the figure four weekly mike graham has agreed to come out of retirement and work some dates for dusty Rhodes' Turbo championship wrestling shocking that a wrestler would come out of retirement to help a friend and i'm pretty sure that was i don't know what's going on at that time but i'm sure that was a melter inside joke there um september 3rd 2001 we got results in uh from august 24th in jacksonville florida for ships. and this only drew 200 but Quartermain beat prodigy hory estrada and kim nielsen beat L- lodi and lalani kai mike graham and manny fernandez beat the new heavenly bodies so the heavenly bodies that were around in like 2015 were the, they were technically the new new heavenly bodies i guess uh yeah to- the
1: one uh well melta <laughs> guys. Heavenly Bodies, the um uh, cage mass listed the new heavenly bodies casting over chris and vivacious Vito.
0: but you know i'm to but i'm to, the third version was the jerk the guy from Jersey oh, yeah that, that yeah that worked for global force uh tcw title barry windham beat cw anderson and dusty and dustin rhodes beat steve carino and scotty riggs uh august 25th in live oak florida uh, terminal championship. And there is no number draw here. It looks like, um, but Luther Biggs beat prodigy. Jorge Estrada beat Lodi. Lilani Kai beat Kim Nielsen. Mike Graham and Manny Fernandez beat Scotty Riggs and Sonny Siaki. TCW title. Barry Windham beat Steve Carino, but DQ and CW Anderson and Ron Studd beat dusty and Dustin Rhodes. Kind of sad, but not expected to see that dusty Rhodes return engagement in Jacksonville, where he was the local wrestling legend for the mid seventies through probably the late eighties. Uh, on August 24th, drew only 200 fans for the TCW show. If you recall, Jacksonville was the site of the final WCW pay-per-view on March 18th, where Rhodes and Flair got such a great crowd reaction. So this would be Rhodes' third time in the city in six months. Nostalgia, if it's going to work, generally only works once. Um, yeah, so uh, and then in, in they took a little bit of a break here. There's nothing in the Observer, nothing in the cage match for, until December, it looks like. And you know, in the South, it's not like Northeast where you but fall, I mean, fall, you would have great weather really anywhere, I would think. Uh, but December I mean, sem- had
1: still been running shows, but nothing of note yeah. that actually was reported.
0: December 17, 2001, Terminal Championship Wrestling on December 7th in Woodstock, Georgia saw Dusty Rhodes and Larry Sabisco uh, and Bob Armstrong team up in the main event with a combined age of, well, don't have a calculator on <laughs> I me. Mean, they won uh, DQ against Ron Studd, Steve Lawler, and Barry Windham. Then we have January uh, 7th, 2002. The NWA tag titles change hands twice over the weekend with the heavenly bodies of Vito DiNucci and Chris Nelson uh, losing and regaining them on December 28th in, Del- in Florida and de- December 29th in Live Oak, Florida on Turbo Championship Wrestling shows against Glacier and Jason Sugarman. It looks like they're going to do an NWA versus TCW feud in Florida um, and that's, yeah I,
1: that's, that's kind of smart just because uh, Dusty wants to get TCW in Florida so he's not going to pay to bring in an entire crowd an entire roster so uh, you just bring in a handful of guys and do a few with the NWA to acclimate the crowd to the TCW main stars
0: and you, and you got some good, I mean, you, you got like, I mean, Lex Lovett and Buck Quartermain are just tearing it up at this time.
1: Yeah. And in that
0: area. Um, so we do got some re- results in that period that Dave touched on a little bit, uh, December, uh, 28th, um, we'll go to the December 7th, 2001 event. This was in Woodstock, Georgia. Dobbins brothers beat the Palm Beach boys, which were John Holcomb and Scott Ross. Luther Biggs beat Sean Evans. Malia Hosaka defeated Daphne. Southside Trash uh, won the, uh, well, retained their TCW tag titles over Hori Estrada and Scott Armstrong. Uh, TCW heavyweight title, Scotty Riggs defeated Ray Lloyd. Bob Armstrong, Dusty Rose, and Larry Sabisco beat Barry Wyndham, Ron Studd, Steve Lawler. That is what he did cover there. And Ron Studd also won a battle royal. December 18th, 28 2001 This was in Delane, Florida. The one we uh, uh over there. Lex Lovett defeated Steve Madison. Steve Madison and another Florida staple at this time. Jory Estrada defeated Luther Biggs. Buck Quartermain defeated Spanky Malone. Uh Glacier and Jason Sugarman defeat the new Heavenly Bodies. Casanova, Chris, vitasio Vio, Scotty Rigsby, Barry Wyndham, and Dusty and Dustin Rhodes defeated fake gold dust and Steve Carino. Hold that fake oldest thought in a minute. (laughs) December 29, 2001, uh, we have in Live Oak, Bruiser Layton defeated Spanky Malone. Luther Biggs defeated Steve Madison. Uh, TCW tag team title, Southside Trash, Big Daddy and Randy Harris defeated Buck Quarterman and Lex Lovett. Then we had NWA World tag title, New Heavenly Bodies, Crassover, Chris and Vivacious Vito defeated Glacier and Jason Sugarman to win the tag titles. Steve Carino defeated Hori Estrada. And then Scotty Riggs defeated Dustin Rhodes and fake gold dust. So January 7th, 2002 we'll start. Oh, I mean, yeah, which figure four weekly here. Dusty Rhodes has a gold dust working for his terrible, championship wrestling. And it's not Dustin Rhodes. Now, when you were doing the research on this, Ash, you told me the story. And I'm like, they were doing a fake gold dust. and, I, I didn't you could never sp- find out I, who it was,
1: right? I I couldn't find out any info. I didn't want to spoil that for you, but I figured I wanted the I wanted the reaction on Friday.
0: It was good to know for tying
1: in the two notes we had. So um no, I couldn't find anything out there on who that was. Um for all we know, it could have been Glacier.
0: Um it, it, the American Nightmare doing it again. Yeah. Um february 4th uh 2002 um actually before we touch on that here know. actually you know the torch is going to give us results for the show i want to talk about uh, but february fourth, two 2002 dustin rhodes and kurt henning verbally came to an agreement with wwf but neither had signed a contract at least going into this week's tv's runnels as dustin rhodes was still working for his father's Terminal championship wrestling this week and actually won the tcw title from scotty riggs on January 26th in Carrollton, Georgia, where they hold weekly Saturday night shows. Dusty is wrestling this coming Saturday, teaming with Dustin and Ron Stud Reese from WCW, and the TLC match. I don't know if that means we'll see Ron Reese or Dusty do a swanton on an eight-foot ladder through the table or not. Um, So Goldust appears at the Royal Rumble, and he's also the TCW champion. So they were opening up that forbidden door in 2002.
1: Yes, they were. Uh, oh, so uh, I just want to add to that. I actually just did a little bit more research. The fake gold dust was a gentleman known as TJ Gray.
0: Never heard of him. Yeah, they <laughs> might have been a great worker. Nothing to discredit him, but I've, I've, I've never I've never heard of him. He, the um,
1: prodigy TJ Gray.
0: So they did mention that January twenty sixth show in, in that notes, and I do want to. We have it here in cage match. The Palm Beach Boys defeated Damian Dynamite and Silky Boom Boom. Now this was in Carrollton, Georgia. Uh, Luther Biggs defeated Jason Sugarman. Glacier defeated Sonny Siaki. The Dobbins brothers, Chad and Jason Dobbins, defeated Southside Trash uh, in the kiss in a kiss my feet match. The Reverend defeated Jorge Estrada. Um, the Reverend. That's Dan the Dragon Wilson. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and then, uh, Dustin Rhodes defeated Scotty Riggs. And if you guys think that name's kind of such a similar, he's managing Tank, uh, who's been having quite a renaissance uh, in his deathmatch career, um, uh, in in in, in uh, promotions. But yeah, so uh, that was an interesting little tidbit. But uh, you can tell. It's becoming more localized now, too. You know, Silky Boo Boom, Damian. I mean, these are Georgia guys. Um, you got Siaki, who's still new. Sugarman, local. They don't. There's not a lot of outside talent coming, like Zabisco and Hall, as we are into 2002.
1: Yeah, at this point, Dusty's school is is still operating, so I'm sure he's pulling in a lot of students from there for a lot of these spot shows, and also. Some of the younger talent, uh, I'm sure, are involved in school
0: somehow. All right. Um, now, we'll go to the February 9th, 2002 Torch. To, uh, Terminal Championship Wrestling February 1st in Carrollton, Georgia. Damian beat Scott Ross. John Holcomb beat Luther Biggs. The Dobbins Brothers beat Southside Trash. Glacier beat Horry Estrada and Reverend in a Three-Way. Dusty Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes. And Ron Studd beat Scotty Riggs. And the fake Dust and Jason Sugarman in a TLC match. Uh, yes, Dusty so,
1: was in a TLC match. Yeah,
0: that, that, and and, and fake gold us uh, getting around uh, there. Um, and you brought up uh, TJ Gray. We uh, So on February 8th in Carrollton, Georgia, we have results where TJ Gray defeated Silky Boom Boom. So he got to be himself that night. Uh, Scott Ross de- defeated Sonny Siaki, the reverend. Dana Dragon Wilson over Glacier, Davian Devante uh, defeated Horace Estrada and Sean Evans. Southside Trash defeated the Dobbins brothers. Barry Windham and Ron Studd defeated Jason Sugarman and Scotty Riggs, and Dustin Rhodes defeated Steve Carino. That just like that's to me that just sounds like such uh, a, a great match. Um,
1: so TJ Gray, uh, he's still active according to Gage Match. Uh, He hasn't officially retired, I should say. Beginning of his career, 1998. Not a lot of results. Uh, His last match actually was NWA Wildside Reunion in 2017. Before that, was 2011. Working for a show a random event, Georgia. Uh, And then nothing since, before that, nothing since 2002.
0: He has to be tall. Goldless is tall. We've both worked on shows with Goldblast. Yeah. Dustin Rhodes. He's um, tall. <laughs>
1: unless he, here's something that we're, we're missing. Do you think that they were honestly trying to fool the fans that he was a, that they want him to think that he was actually Dustin Rhodes? Or do you think it was more of uh, they wanted fans to know this guy wasn't actually Dustin Rhodes? I think Not they him, didn't like, want him to undertaker type Yeah.
0: I don't think they didn't want him to know, be, uh, or they wanted him to know it was a fake Dusty Rose because I think, I mean, he's in matches against Dustin. I mean, you know, people had to.
1: <laughs> yeah, but at first, like, did they try like a fake Sting type
0: thing? I guess that's a oh better, yeah, better. I, I think they probably did. Yeah, that's a, that's
1: a better example than the fake Undertaker, but like a fake Sting where and, they wanted the fans to believe that it was gold Dust at first. And then once people knew it wasn't Dustin, like he's doing like the NWO Sting type thing where people knew it wasn't
0: him. And the sad thing is, there isn't any of this out there. And if anybody has any of this, please put it on YouTube, because all I have is Luther Biggs putting his highlights (laughs) of his career. That's on YouTube.
1: I mean, was it like like local Rochester Russell Dewey playing Dust, Which (laughs) was definitely not like a five for ten overweight gentleman playing a a gold dust ripoff.
0: Um, February eleventh, observer just talks about the result we went to TLC. February eighteenth, from the Figure Four Weekly, Goldust is still working. Terminal Championship Wrestling shows promoted by his father is Dustin Runnels. Uh, they have another guy there playing gold. dust Well, they did. They probably don't anymore. <laughs> uh, March eleventh, two thousand two, from the Figure Four Weekly, Terminal Championship Wrestling promoted by Dusty Rhodes announced a new TV deal. With WMFT and Channel 41 and Macon, Georgia, and no start there yet. So we get a TV deal when the promotion's pretty much towards the end. As we, the results become more thin, the notes become more thin. I mean, they were still running, I would assume, but not the prominence that they were. Uh, March 18, 2002, from the Figure Four Weekly, Dusty Rhodes is claiming that his Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling Studio television show will begin airing this May. The group runs out of macon georgia um now uh april 22nd and this is a very interesting tidbit here um april 22nd 2002 with the figure four weekly alex marvez had an interview with dusty rhodes up on our website dusty said the promotion turbo championship wrestling was about to get live tv We're doing live TV starting in Macon at CNBC, Channel 41. We'll syndicate the tape out there. The guys at the Sunshine Network have been in touch and were really hot on the company to the point that we knew we weren't going to pay them for telecasting it. We're negotiating to try to put them together for down there in Florida, but it's like pulling teeth in a small town. You've got a big advance for a small armory, but when you get there, they're already there. Nobody is walking up, even if they think Dusty is there and said he's going to die in the ring. I like nothing more than a wrestler with that sense of humor. He noted he was about 380 pages into a book, one for each body weight, it appears. Man, Alvarez, he's rough on Dusty here uh, and said that he was going to open up about everything. He said that I'm not making it up, that he was considering the American dream and some other shit. Uh, as a veteran wrestler, he seemed to have a healthy view of the business today. It will never be liked, uh, it was before the way I think it was. Maybe it's better now. The show at the Virgin Davy Road Arena in Davy, Florida, that Saturday ended up drawing 3,092 paid, which those in the building claim was pretty damn close, if not the real number. That's an incredible turnout for an indie show these days. As you would expect, nobody did a job, and I broke it it broke down into a huge brawl that included Funkin' and Rhodes fighting in the parking lot and Funk trying to run him over with a truck. Crazy old dudes. Well, Funk and Rhodes drawing 3,000. <laughs> that's great. As I said, that's from Alvarez. Some of that stuff about Dusty, you know, I didn't like it. They did not like it there, but.
1: The, the, the Alvarez and Meltzer, all. Basically, most of the Sheets had uh, an axe grind with Dusty throughout the late 80s and. 90s without how Dusty treated them so I, I look past that but uh, also I find it weird not weird but typical wrestling tyrannyism of we're going to start doing live TV and just name a TV station which uh, the TV station mentioned the call letters earlier didn't match up but that could just been typo but NBC channel 41 in Macon is the NBC affiliate. I don't, even though Macon and Warner Robins, Georgia is a smaller market. It's not Atlanta. I still question if he had a deal with an NBC affiliate. Like that's yeah. a pretty high profile uh, affiliate to just be like, we're going to do live wrestling.
0: All right. Um, so yeah, so uh, one other thing I want to talk about there too is saying that we're at the point where Sunshine Network is going to pay us, and we're not going to pay them. <laughs> like I, I, I mean, ECW right. always paid them, so yeah. I can't see. Yeah, I can't see at this point, 2002, when he's really using a lot of locals, like in Ron Studs, one of your biggest stars. I can't see Sunshine going. Oh, we yes, we want you. Here's the money. Um, and nothing against Ron Stubb, but just it's it's he's not the name that it's going to draw people in.
1: Yeah, and and we've we we've talked about it before in previous episodes. Where in during this era, like post 1996, when the FCC rules and regulations over paid programming and changed to where now it was so much easier. It was more it was more financially viable for television stations and networks to just take paid program and money, then have to figure out programming, cheap program that they could fill themselves. Where post-96, there was no limit on how many there's no limit on paid program that a station could have. So why pay why pay money for a wrestling program, no matter what wrestling program it was, when you could just use that time slot for a random infomercial and make more money, even if no one's watching it. It's still money coming into the station.
0: Um, Go to the torch here from Keller. Uh, May 11, 2002, Dusty Rhodes had received a regional TV clearance for Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling. The group held its first TV taping on May 5th, using a lot of TCW regulars and NWA wild side talent. The Jarrett's have contacted several former NWA champions taking place in a special legend ceremony at the first TNA pay-per-view on June 19th. Among the former champions contacted by the Jarrett's are Dusty Rhodes, Dory Funk Jr. and Harley Race. Funk and Race are expected to participate, but Rhodes told the group he is against the idea, being promoted strictly as a legend, as he's still an active wrestler in his turnbuckle championship wrestling promotion. And that's where I talked about the, the collision that could have happened. Um, but uh, we don't have any of these TV results. If these TV tapings ha- happen, there's there's nothing there. Um, we don't got anything until September, and that's from the Torch. And at this point, the Observer doesn't cover it all anymore. And we got a little bit of the Figure Four later on. Uh, but September twenty uh, first, two thousand two, in the Torch, TCW in uh, Carrollton, Georgia. Henry Haas beat Terry Austin. Simon Sermon beat Heck Shanks. Bambi and the Palm Beach Boy John beat Daphne and Palm Beach Boy Scott. Oh no, the Palm Beach Boys broke up. Uh, Glacier beat Damien to win the TCW title. Dusty Rhodes and New Jack, man, they teamed a few times, beat Sonny Siaki and Iceberg uh, with Danny V in a hardcore match. And uh, cage match for results. We have, uh, you know, basically everything that they said there. Nothing really different uh, from the results there. Um, And then the next result is not till 2003, which is March 1st, 2003 that we have in Cleveland, Tennessee. So I'm assuming this is a Ron West deal. Um, Damien Dynamite defeats Lee Thomas and the Reverend Henry house defeats John Holcomb, Larry Sabisco beats Scott Ross. Uh, Larry Spisco in the middle of the card. Interesting. Bambi beat Desire. Uh, Sonny Siaki defeated Corey Estrada. Glacier defeated Jason Sugarman. And Dusty Rhodes defeated David Flair by disqualification. So we got that Rhodes-Flair. TCW feuded after all. Uh, (laughs) Ash, just not the Flair you thought. Um, Also, April 26, 2003. uh, TCW event in Cleveland, Tennessee. So Scott Ross defeated Ray Gordy. That you know, uh, Ray Gordy uh, from Jesse and festus fame, son of a uh, Terry Gordy. John Holcomb defeated Hory Estrada. The Dobbins brothers, Chad and Jason Dobbins, defeated Chase Stevens from the Naturals and Chris Vaughn. Chris Vaughn he was like red shirt security in TNA. Two on one handicap, Larry Sabisco defeats the Palm Beach Boys, and then Henry Haas in a bull rope match defeats Sonny Siaki. Um, one result that was not in here, and I don't know what show it was from, but I looked up TCW on Twitter, and somebody had a picture of Dusty Rhodes and Kamala in a barbed wire match. <laughs> and I'm like, from TCW, I'm like, I need to see that.
1: <laughs> uh, well, we'll 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 get to that, because I think I know where that happened, but uh, <laughs> um, later on in the notes. May, May
0: 9, 2003, TCW event in Cleveland, Tennessee, Damian Dynamite uh, defeated Ori Estrada, the reverend. Defeat Hex Shanks, the Palm Beach Boys, uh, John Holcomb and Scott Ross and Bobby Hayes. Defeated Larry Sabisco and the Dobbins Brothers. Henry Haas, defeated Simon Sermon by DQ and David Young and Sonny Siaki. Defeated Dustin Rhodes, or Dusty Rhodes, I'm sorry, and New Jack. Um, Seen a lot of TNA guys that that come into the fold with TNA. Uh, And New Jack's still there, Dusty's there, but still, but not what you thought. Um, with that and uh, one last result here in cage match may 17 2003 uh the Dobbins brothers Chad and Jason jo- Dobbins defeated Bobby Hayes and Scott Ross Halo defeated they don't know <laughs> mixed tag match Bambi and Damian Dynamite defeat Desire and James Storm James Storm the cowboy uh David Young defeated Hory Estrada and Dusty Rose and Jim Duggan defeated Disco Inferno and Sonny Siaki and that is touched on in The Torch. Um, they the just reads those results. And that is the last we get from The Torch. Uh, on the Wikipedia page, we do have something in July of 2003, where Rhodes appeared alongside sports director Mike Rada on the Paul Feinbaum Radio Network and discussed both his wrestling career and Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling. However, partially due to declining business as well as increased competition from WWE, Rhodes was forced to close the promotion shortly after the dusty 35th anniversary tour that same year. The announcement followed after Rhodes signed a contract with total nonstop action wrestling. And uh,
1: I well, could not really find anything from the dusty 35th anniversary tour. I tried to find results of that. I tried to find anything like nothing really came up
0: on that. And we'll uh, say one more note here. And then we'll kind of circle back May 3rd, 2004, from the Figure weekly Dusty Rhodes, who closed down his Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling Group last year, has opened up a new company called Action Zone 1 with a debut show on May 14th in Miami, Oklahoma. Headlined by himself versus Kamala. And um,
1: so that might have been that Kamala match.
0: Yeah. And I don't, that had to have been a one-off.
1: Yeah. Cause I actually, I looked, I couldn't find anything. Uh, the only Action Zone Wrestling I found was in Hawaii um in the mid the mid 2000s the mid to mid 2000s to the mid 2010s so obviously it wasn't that so more than likely that was a that was a one-off
0: yeah the person on twitter thinks that it was tcw but but it was still kind of a cool thing i was like oh i want to see that um but yeah uh dusty sites i mean he is being heavily involved with tna and then in 2004 tna goes on fox sports he's the He's the, you know, figurehead director of authority. Um, he goes, he has a little bit of an indie run. He, we, in a previous episode, we talked about ballpark brawl. He wrestled Steve Carino on one of those. Uh, and then he ends up in uh, Florida with the WWF and WB, I should say, sorry. And, and the rest is history. But this is the reason why I wanted to cover this. I mean, I think Dusty Rhodes is one of the biggest stars of all time in professional wrestling first off. But I think this is just... It's such an interesting time, 2001. 2001, it's the birth of the new type of independent wrestling. It's not your typical, we, we joke, but the metal maniac versus this guy, you know, and all that. Like it was high flying, technical, you know, your homicides, your low keys, uh, you know, your Billy Fives, all the these type rates. of guys. The work rate, yeah, era. the work rate guys, and in the work rate era, boom. We got Sabisco and Rhodes and all that drawing pretty good crowds, having a nice regional reach. I am surprised Dusty wasn't able to get TV until very late in the game, probably when it was too late. Um, you know, uh, America won. We talked about it for him. Surprised America won. He didn't try to get that. Sunshine might have been too much of a reach at that point to try to get. And Turner South, I mean, I think they kind of, it was one of those things he was technically employed there. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably never took it seriously.
1: Well, here's the thing about that. Uh, yeah, they probably they probably humored him because if he's in the office all the time, I'm sure a lot of people are friends with Dusty. They didn't want to break his heart. But Turner South uh, was a Time Warner property at that point. Um, yeah, and they wanted nothing to do with wrestling. They couldn't because they had no compete clause when they bought when they sold WCW. So
0: but they couldn't own a company, right? They could have carried a company on television, couldn't they have? I don't even think they could do that.
1: Um I don't know. Like I I would have to do a little bit more research on on that. Uh but I know there was a no compete clause in there. Who would have had to been for tv too? Uh, because why would you just like if WWE worked out a deal? with Tom Warner to, to buy WCW and the deal is you can't own a wrestling fed. Like I think it's, it's immaterial about owning a wrestling fed or airing a wrestling fed. I think it would be the same thing
0: yeah.
1: because like the, the, by that aspect, they could find a loophole where Ted Turner could have funded his own wrestling fed and they could have put wrestling yeah. Monday nights and just like, Oh no, we don't own it. Ted Turner owns it. So, I, I'm gonna lean towards that, that there wasn't no complete and no compete on there.
0: Well, I'm glad we were able to cover this today. Um it was a fun topic and I I, I think it's more than a footnote. I think it needs to be discussed further. Dusty Rhodes was an independent wrestling promoter. Yeah. And he did it for a few years, folks. Uh, and it's a it, it's a fun thing to go back and relive. And you look at guys that would end up being in TNA like Estrada and David Young and you know Chase Stevens and Sonny Siaki and Desire and you know the the core of those Southern workers that would go in there and you know showing it. Steve the Brawler Lawler was a is a guy that some people are very high on as far as how good of a you know he would have been a great territory guy i think i heard chris zellner say it once that steve lawler would have been a great territory guy um but yeah i i wish more of this footage was out there maybe it'll be something that pops up i don't know maybe cody owns the footage maybe it's something we eventually get and see i uh, you know but uh this was a very fun fun topic uh to talk about um so with that uh you know we want to uh thank all you guys for listening and We'll be back next month we we've kind of I don't know when officially announced the topic because I don't know if you've done the research yet Ash if you think we uh, if it's a lot of meat on the bone but
1: I I, I haven't done the research but uh, you can go ahead if you want to
0: all right so we're not going to cover everything in this man's career like him being a manager in, in USWA and all that I think maybe footnotes if needed but we're going to discuss the promotions and ran by burt prentice we're going to try to find as much as we can out there about every little promotion that he ran arkansas colorado to music city wrestling and and, and more uh so we're going to talk about the promotions of burt prentice and that's going to be a lot of fun i think and that will probably be a multiple part (laughs) yeah i'm sure it will be um but yeah we'll, we'll 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 get into that and uh, we'll talk about that uh next month here want to thank you guys for listening to us remember uh rta pod on uh twitter rediscovering the indies on instagram and facebook to check us out ash what do you want to plug and how do they find you
1: um find me at most independent pro wrestling shows at this point uh doing production
0: as brandon thurston calls you the kevin dunn of the indies yeah i don't know if
1: that's a or an <laughs> insult. I haven't, you get that out yet um yeah uh find me on twitter twitter as rough ash um i might change that soon i've been my colleagues at gopro have uh are always on me to change that because i'm technically not a rough anymore um i never officially tired, but i should
0: rib them and change it to rti ash <laughs> it's actually not a bad idea yes. <laughs> Why did i do that <laughs>
1: yeah so i might change like changing something um but for right now that's where i am same thing on instagram rough ash uh find me on facebook if you want to but mostly uh, follow me on twitter follow me on instagram uh follow rti pod obviously uh follow gopro wrestling if you uh have a wrestling show and you need production uh it's not just me obviously it's a whole team we do we do most game changer shows we do Pro northeast wrestling pretty much all the top indies out there if if you need a live streaming company need a company film need need audio to be recorded like we're we're available
0: yeah and uh myself chris gullo on twitter uh and instagram and i have a, a a business page on facebook as well um I'm, um, you know, I'm always available for ring announcing dates, uh, MMA and, and professional wrestling. Uh, I'll be doing revenge wrestling on uh, Saturday, February 5th, and then February is pretty empty. So uh, if, if you want to slide in those DMs, you're more than welcome to March. We got a lot of fun stuff coming out of the way really. they excite uh, UPW as well as ESW in March. Uh, so stacks month of march and then i as yourself ash we will be in dallas a weekend ash is available for production in all aspects of production i'm available to ring announce backstage interview commentary so if you are an independent wrestling promotion impressive promoter who is running in that area and maybe a week and you're interested in our services please don't be afraid to message us and uh we'd like to we like to do business uh, we'll already be down there so
1: yeah um the entire most of the gopro teams will be down there Uh, Scott Clayton with stage media, uh, he works with, he works with me and my, our team when we do GCW in Texas, great guy. Um, he's based out of Dallas, so he's been getting a lot of bookings like crazy. And he's also like directing people towards us, uh, towards GoPro for that. Um, but yeah, we'll be down there filming live streaming, anything we need. And I know you're going to tag along to a bunch of bookings too, if you don't, uh, if you've some free time on your calendar, um, but also like, yeah, anyone looking for a ring announcing, you're definitely yeah. going to be down there.
0: Yeah. I'm be down there. I know that I'm not officially announced yet, but there's already a promotion that we have uh, agreed to have me a ring announce and, uh, but I'd like to fill that calendar, uh, have a fun weekend with it and I'll be there and um, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, thank you guys for listening so much. We'll be back next month uh, doing a deep dive on promotions ran by Burr Prentice. But uh, for Jonathan Ash, I'm Chris Gettle. Thank you. Keep supporting independent wrestling and learning independent wrestling history.